Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's July 22nd, 2022, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 495. I'm your host, Rob Zach, and I'm joined by Patrick Klepik's back! All right, now that just sounds like electrical line noise. Yes. Less cicada, more more like the transformer near your house is about to go. You should probably get a Jenny. The transformer did explode around the corner from our house a couple what? years back. It was one of the loudest pops I've ever heard, and it it, it sparked a wire that went all over the front yard of a, a neighbor, and it just like burned the shit out of their lawn. You could just see the you could see the spots where the wire was just flailing on their grass. Is pop still the right? the right descriptor at that at that loudness or is it more like a bang (laughs) i guess that's true i I guess it depends on Uh, it could just be a really loud like it's like a it's like a it's on the spectrum of fireworks right like at what point does a firework go from a pop to a bang i guess is an m80 a bang and then a pop is i think there's like those little transformers on like the utility pole and i feel like when those go or overcook you get like a pop but that's we got the big, like, mm. t- triple-wide fridge-type transformer that's like a small trailer. Uh, you know, th- when those go, it's it's memorable. Yeah, when I think that might be the difference. This was a pop because it was one of those. on. A, they have a utility pole that's mm. right in front yeah. of Like, it's just, like, smack dab in the middle of their yard. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> you know, in a weird spot. And, like, that was a... It, it was a pop. We were on our deck, and all of a sudden, like, my daughter was like, what was... <laughs> what was that? I'm like, uh, sometimes they light fireworks off in April. <laughs> uh, we're also joined by Renata Price. Howdy. When does a bang become a boom? Hmm. Mm. I mean, it's just a how much how much bass is on it, you know? Which which mm. does of course mean boom, yeah. what are you listening to it on? <laughs> hey, uh, Rob, could you go to your sound guy and present these questions? to him and get back to us on where this fits on. I feel as like an expert an on psychoacoustics, uh, when would you yeah. say that the human mind interprets a sound as a bang or a boom? This is a good a question. Good this would be, a, frankly, a good blog if you're bored, you don't have anything to do. Any reporters out there, just ask some audio people like, when does, when does, when does, when does this happen? Uh, well, we have an audio person right here. Mm-hmm. It's our do producer, we? Ricardo Contreras. Do we? Do we? His audio is falling apart. <laughs> Look. Well, he could. You know this what? This is not my fault. I don't know what's happening. I'm pretty sure it's the electricity. There's a whole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, Can we so, step oh, back oh, to oh, that? Have, missed- have you missed Kato's theory about what's wrong in his setup? No, but I'm just saying, if you want to examine, you know, 
you know, all of us on this podcast have done some writing. And Kato's like going from like, I know what's wrong. I'm pretty sure it might be this is, you know, that's a journey. That's a journey. That's that's a journey of confidence in why your audio is having issues. So the thing is, the thing I love about Kato's explanation here is there's mm. so many things it could be in a setup, mm-hmm. you know, like, is yep. it is it uh, the thing the microphone is plugged into? Is Tested it something that. with the cables? Tested is that. it? Uh, you know, is it something with the, the, you know, the board on the computer, like somewhere? Is there just interference happening inside the machine? Um, you cracked it open? You looked at it? No, but I've tested it on two different machines and got the same interference. Okay. So, (laughs) so probably what we got, what we probably got then is a, is a busted mic. Um, but, but Kato has a theory. Yeah. Well, cause it could be this and I haven't, there's only one test. Have a different microphone? There's only, I don't have a different microphone. Oh there's my only God. one test. You settled on the dirty electricity contractors are bad theory instead of <laughs> just tying another microphone? No, I mean, it, it, this happened like Monday. It's not been that long and I don't have, I'm, I'm trying to get ready to leave for a week. There's a lot of things that have to be prepared. I have a cat to think of. Uh, you have to pack. I'm bad at packing. Okay. Anyways, right. I'll figure this out by the time I get back. But the test would have been to take my microphone to a different place and plug it in. Uh, and I haven't been able to do that. The, the test co- for, put the theory on the mic. Put the theory on the podcast mic. Yeah. You, can just, you, have a go, you go to a coffee shop all the time. They got Wi-Fi? You go to a bodega. <laughs> be like, listen. I need to plug in to yeah. a wall socket. I just need, I, yeah, I need to take my mic somewhere else to see. Can everyone shut the fuck dirty. up for a minute? I need to check this microphone. <laughs> it's, I mean, the, y'all, do y'all hear it or is Chris getting it right now? No, Chris, Chris is getting, getting it. it. Chris oh, is wow. Okay, right cool. Uh, but it's a very obvious, uh, noise. So like, it's not hard to miss on the track. The, I think it, it could be electricity related because I've had this happen before, uh, in a, in a, school setting where someone fucked with some wiring uh in a in a room where like all of a sudden no matter what you did every uh audio piece of audio equipment you plugged into uh that specific circuit just buzzed speakers buzzed mics buzzed everything buzzed it was bad um so it could be that i'm hoping it's that because if not then my very expensive microphone is broken and i don't know what how much it's going to cost to replace it also, I haven't done anything, which is the thing, which means that it just died due to. It was, you're right. We recorded a mo- we recorded a podcast, yeah. and it was fine. And then, oh, it wasn't you- actually. Turns out that podcast was the first time that the buzz okay. appeared. Okay, um, we just hear because Chris was getting it. Right? Yeah, Chris was getting it over Discord. But before yeah. that, like that that weekend before, it was fine. Like I was using it, didn't have anything. Uh, the real issue is just like if it's if it's I'm just gonna replace it. I I need to know why why this happened because if yeah. it's it might just be the fact that my my office is very warm and enclosed and I don't have an AC in here and maybe the humidity got to it. I don't know. If that were it, maybe yeah. I shouldn't buy this type of uh mic again. Was it a fucking surge? Can I can I can I blame the construction that's happening downstairs? That'd be great. Well, so I think one thing we, I, when you mentioned that you have your, the dirty electricity theory, like having made fun of it as an explanation for this, 
I do know all about that dirty electricity. Yeah. And needing to clean that right up. Yeah. Uh so I, I do think regardless, like you need you need an ups. Uh, I should have place. one. It is a thing to have. Es- yeah. Especially since you got you got you got the, the gaming PC uh that we built, man. Uh so it, yeah. like, you, you need to protect that thing. It needs to be plugged. No no uh no common wall outlet or a cheap power strip for that baby. Uh, we we need ups and yeah we will. I'm I'm curious to see how this uh, how this all plays out. But I think the the ups did get greenlit. Uh, so when you get back, you Ooh. should you should. Hey, if you have recommendations, I was just saying we'll just we'll just pick something from uh what is it APS APC. Uh-huh. Uh You know those are those have all worked well for me. Um, it is it's regrettable that the thing that makes the ups work is a battery that appears to be made entirely out of lead. Oh. Um, mm. they are they are the they are the these are the densest objects known to man, Kato. Oh, great! Um, a good a good ops is like Mjolnir, uh, <laughs> where like you can't you just can't move it unless you're worthy. Sorry. <laughs> Hope well, it works out for you. That's that'll be fine. Yeah, I don't move any of these power cables around. No. Well, you move, not around, a- you move them around constantly, but you also need to get a switcher, so you have to do that less too. Uh, so oh, yeah, my USB. Yeah, there's so too. many little, so many little upgrades to the pot for to the production nest. Uh, you built for yourself. It truly is a nest now. There's so many cables yeah. everywhere. Uh, anyway, you know this is this is a bit of a sad episode. Um, because on the one hand, we welcome back our prodigal panelist Patrick. Mm. Wow. We, but we also say goodbye <laughs> to Kato, who is leaving on this vacation starting today. Goodbye. So when you're hearing this, listener, I am somewhere in Colorado. I don't know where actually. Ooh. Well, if uh, if you don't come back, we'll 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 wish you you had been more specific uh, <laughs> as we file the report to to have people look for you. But somewhere in Colorado is a start. It'll be us. Uh, That'll be us doing it. We'll officer, he is the in the report. American West. Yes. Probably uh, within a vicinity of Boulder, I think. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty specific. That's good enough. The cops will figure it out. Yeah. So, hey, gang, we have to make a week's worth of memories in this one podcast report. <laughs> Maybe a lifetime if things don't go well for Kato on his trip, but at least a week's worth of memories on this podcast. So let's get going. All right, Patrick. Uh, so you were gone and yeah. things got out of hand as they do. And I, I kept getting um, pings uh, in the, the the question bucket. A lot of water, a lot of uh, <laughs> a fuzzy drink. So I wasn't reading them, but I just I picked up on. I can tell what happened on the podcast that I'm not on, not because I listen to them, because God. I don't, uh, <laughs> but uh, because of the questions and the response from the audience will then inform me. Oh, that's what they talked about. Uh yeah, and you know I I hit the latest games, uh Gran Turismo. Uh the people the people were dying to know about the state of my virtual car collection. Uh, you know hey, I got that V10 Carrera uh 04 Porsche. You know I nailed it. Terrible car. Shouldn't have spent all that money on it. Like it, it looks cool, but it's not. It's like but it's, it's exclusive. It's real. It's, yeah, it's it's not easy to buy. World um, premiere. But, yeah, and then you're just like. <laughs> Well, this thing is a this thing's okay, I guess. With some upgrades, maybe it'll be good. Hell. Anyway, Patrick, now that you're back, 
Yeah. I can see that your your little messenger bag is positively bursting with missives about happenings and incidents in the games industry. So, uh, Patrick, quick, tell us what we've been <laughs> yearning to hear. <laughs> when can we trade NFTs in Minecraft? It's a great question. Uh, you cannot. Uh, Fuck! <laughs> Rob is... Rob wanted to it's do the one place the blockchain makes sense. Oh, God oh, damn it! God. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, mm. Now are you now are you the oh. millionth person or the millionth and one person to make that joke? Who knows? But it doesn't matter. It's the first time it happened here, <laughs> and that's what counts. That's what counts. Kato, nail uh, that soundboard. Breaking new ground, just like you do in Minecraft. You better. <laughs> <laughs> we we do have a crowd goes wild effect on the soundboard right there there is a applause right. the soundboard so, is not what? plugged you don't into have the, the soundboard ready machine. and that was a good decision yeah, and i no. i shouldn't encourage you to engage the, with this. the so soundboard Patrick, is only for streams ah so Patrick, <laughs> they're 86ing the the nfts well what's interesting is it's no one was really asking uh in minecraft what's up with them nfts uh now granted this comes on the back of phil spencer being Sort of like one of the few executives to not just be like Phil Spencer. Kind of just I think NFTs basically are kind of a, a grift, and they don't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Whereas like most other video game executives have said, "Well, you know, maybe." Or you're Square Enix, and you're like, "Actually, we're going to make this one of the pillars of our future is is blockchain." Um, <laughs> and so Minecraft, you know, uh, I guess Mo- Mojang, you know, I don't I don't know exactly how to name it works anymore over there. Uh, put out this big statement written by staff. Um, it says, hey, everyone, recently we received some feedback from members of the community asking for clarification and transparency regarding Mojang Studios and Minecraft's position, NFTs, and blockchain. And they go on to sort of explain what blockchain is and, um, uh, you know, how this could possibly work. And then, like, the end of this is just to ensure the Minecraft players have a safe and inclusive experience. Blockchain technologies are not permitted to be integrated inside our Minecraft client and server applications, nor may they be utilized to create NFTs associated with any in-game content, including world skins, persona items, or other mods. Uh, we have no plans of implementing blockchain t- technology into Minecraft uh, right now. Um, it's just interesting that NFTs have become, the like the term especially, has become so incredibly toxic that Minecraft, just weird to be in a side note in a world where like, thank God Microsoft bought Minecraft. Like, <laughs> because like <laughs> the alternative world where it's like still in the hands of its original well, creator. Well, hold on though. Also a very good, like, it would have been very funny to watch uh, someone like Notch absolutely go all in on this thing and somehow oh, lose everything, God. which may have, may have still happened. Is that worth the countless joy that Minecraft has brought tens of millions <laughs> of people? It For our purposes, maybe, because none of us really give a shit about Minecraft, but... It's like, it's like apes gone, but Minecraft servers are being seized by tax authorities. God. <laughs> like yachts, like yacht seizures, but instead they're just coming for blocks. Not, not just... Blocks all gone. I mean, I... blocks all gone. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> he, he gets catfished. But he gets catfished with a like a fake Instagram model sending him a QR code. <laughs> he just plugs in the meter and like instantly everything is gone. Uh, Actually, someone own someone else ends up owning Minecraft as a result of that. Yeah, <laughs> like Minecraft itself gets minted as a concept, and then 
you know, he tries to make an animated show with uh, what's his face. Uh, oh my oh, god, Seth uh, Seth Green. Seth Green. <laughs> yeah, somehow <laughs> Seth Green is involved in this. Um, but I think it's really interesting that essentially you can. I think you can view this as essentially uh, Microsoft's statement, and so like essentially Microsoft, Xbox, Minecraft as a platform is saying like that. This is like the kindest corporate way to say fuck you to NFTs, and it, it, this comes at the same time that you have much of the speculation around like once NFTs like not only has the market sort of cratered on them, but in gaming, especially it's just, you can't even say the words without people spitting vitriol back at you, which is fully justified in my opinion, but you can't even be blockchain adjacent without people like, like coming for you. And so what we're already, the speculation was, well, and I think Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of take two had, had was one of the people mentioned this like, well, look, what if you just rebrand it? Um, and like the rebranding has arrived. You have things like Reddit selling what they are calling, I believe, collectible items or collectible tokens. There's no mention of blockchain. There's no mention of NFT. But then you look at the fine print and it's like, well, these are just NFTs. These operate on the blockchain. Um, and so, you know, maybe we'll see things. I, I expect that's what we'll see. Like the idea of collectible tokens or collectible items will be the like the the laundering of NFTs into games, like when the and companies take another shot at this. But I just think it's like really notable that that Minecraft like came out sort of unprompted with a like a middle finger to the concept. And in many ways, I think signals that like this era of it, like before they launder it differently and brand it differently is sort of dead. I can't imagine anybody announcing an NFT thing in video games, at least calling it that going forward. It's just such a dumb, embarrassing grift. Like, like I think that like the the market cratering out basically within like three months. Like we've watched an entire sector of the economy emerge and then crash in the span of like about a year and a half. Uh, like hit the mainstream and then immediately crater out in the most embarrassing way possible, while the most bald faced grifters you've ever seen made a quick buck off of it. Like it has been, I don't know. I don't even understand from a business position why you as like Reddit, for example, would even put bullshit on the blockchain unless you're trying to cater to a very particular portion of your audience. Like it just does not make. I think you can read that as like, well, someone greenlit something six months ago and it it takes a long time for an initiative to move through. And then by the time it gets to, well, we've commissioned the art and like legal signed up, you know, you've gone through your whole systems. It's like, well. Oh, shit, nobody likes this stuff anymore. How do we like strip the language down? Because we're we're not going to not do the thing. We've already spent time setting up the thing. Um, and that's, I think, how you arrive there is like something greenlit in the middle of the craze. And then all of a sudden, uh, like nobody's, I mean, like GameStop just, I mean, well, GameStop itself is a concept is a just a grift what a joke um, <laughs> you know between the person who's running that company now running an nft marketplace which by all accounts is just a way to wash money through it's not a place where people are bu- like truly buying and selling anything it's just like here is a way to launder some cash through a different marketplace um and then there was someone who did a they followed all of the during like the celebrity NFT, like when Jimmy Fallon is like going out, like yeah. look at this shitty ape. Permission they to come on board. Yeah, and this Jesus. all happened in like the, the a couple of months span where all these celebrities got on. This happened at the same time that Twitter introduced the ability to turn your like attach an NFT to be your profile pic, and it That's changed like the dimensions of it. Um, 
someone tracked all those celebrities and just all of them have like just quietly just like changed them back to whatever like boring default picture it was, which is like stuff like that is like the, one of the easiest ways to tell like, oh, this isn't cool anymore. Like, like there's no way for these people to cash in uh, on this. And I think that's what you're seeing a lot here is like there's no some of this craze is just like some of the money is drying up. And so wh why bother? I think that this is the most the least interesting version of money laundering that has that has been invented to this point. I think it's the shittiest kind of money laundering because like but you get to watch people do it and watch them suffer to a certain degree. Like so there is like it is a lot funnier than like empty luxury housing going up. Yeah, right. Empty luxury housing. But like I, I do think like. Oh, you used to have to go on the dark web. Now you just have to buy a shitty picture of like off-brand Mario from a stranger yeah. and that'll do the exact same thing. And I just, I think it's very funny that the new form of money laundering is just buying the worst fucking art you've ever seen uh, publicly on the internet. Corny. So, all right. Minecraft isn't looking toward the future. I'll bet Unity's looking toward the future. <laughs> Patrick, lay it on us. How fair is the indie spirit of the company behind the game engine <laughs> that aimed to help democratize game development? I think it, yeah, I think Unity, why I, I'm pulling this number a bit out of my ass, but it's like, it's something like 60% of like video games were running on, on Unity. Like it's ubiquity mm -hmm. is, is like cannot be overstated, even as other things have come up uh, along the way. But yeah, so earlier this year, like, Unity's stock started tanking. It's a tech company. All the tech companies were tanking in the first half of 2022. So that is not necessarily unique to <clears throat> Unity itself, but it came comes alongside Unity uh, buying up a bunch of companies, like, you know, uh, reactively buying Weta Digital, you know, most famous for like being Peter Jackson's digital effects company that really came onto the map with the Lord of the Rings films and then became sort of like a... Uh, 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 ILM, you know, sort of company that's just doing lots of effects for lots of different companies. And then uh, in response to the, like, Unreal Engine, like, getting into filmmaking, uh, they bought Weta as a way of, like, well, we haven't been thinking about this. What if we just buy Weta? Because they've been thinking about it. And they bought some other companies and spent billions of dollars in, in the pursuit of sort of, like, what is this company anymore? This is alongside, you know, the reporting I did last summer in which talking through the unease a lot of Unity employees had about the increasing footprint of military contracts, both domestically and worldwide, working with different governments and militaries to make sure that Unity can accomplish everything from, like, building maps to, like, running tank and drone simulations. Um, and, like, that becoming a larger part of the how the company, you know, makes its money along, but, like, while also the front-facing part of the company being we're the cute logo that you see. Although if you pay a little extra, you can hide that cute logo that increasingly people don't like so our game can run on Unity, but you don't have to think about it when you play the new, you know, Hollow Knight game. Uh, and so that happens. Uh, then uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, Unity laid off more than 200 people just weeks after they had an all-hands meeting in which they said, it's cool. We're not going to lay off anyone. Don't stress. And then they just immediately laid off 263 people. Which, which is extra shitty because a lot of companies will do the all hands where they do like sort of in so many words, let you know, like, hey, something bad is coming down the pike. 
Like yeah. they don't ever like they they like a lot of companies will at least let you know, hey, if it feels like things are insecure, things are insecure and you should be worried. Yeah, they can't. Um, they will never say layoffs are coming in a couple of weeks because it would tank the stock. You know, like it would like that's just not how the, the financial markets work. But yes, like this that has happened at this company at various points over the years where you get an email and it's like, oh, that's ominous. Yeah. I, I don't like how. how but that also, email we're saying they were like, well, I, we know what that means. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can at least sort of mentally prepare um, in, in case you might be affected. Um, and so they kind of went through a whole uh, bit with that. That was uh, really I have a, a piece up if you want to see some of the employee follow up for that called Unity Employees Mad and Stressed Out Amid Unexpected Layoffs. Um, it's like this is like been a moment in which there's increased distrust for John Riccatello, somebody who has always been in the headlines in video games. They formerly ran EA at two different points over the course of 10 years um someone is like always in the headlines for saying weird ass things i I was reminded recently of a i think it was in a kotaku piece talking about unity in which uh at some point on a just like as a random aside on a conference call when like microtransactions were coming along he's like you know you want to find those stress points with people where like they would be willing to pay and like what if six hours into battlefield you ran out of ammo what are you going to do not pay for more ammo it's like what um and that's like a really it's is noteworthy to to mention that part because like the thing that most recently happened is illustrative of his inability to just succeed at the shut the fuck up challenge um because he did this interview uh so they recently are going to merge with uh iron source which is basically like an ad sales company for mobile things with a bad reputation the bad reputation, the mobile ad market specifically has gone in the tank and taken a huge hit because a year ago, Apple introduced a bunch of pretty legitimate privacy measures and anti-tracking measures into the App Store. And that's where most of mobile games make their money in a lot of different places. And uh, it impacted Iron Source. It's impacted places like Unity. And so like this merger is meant to try and consolidate some of that power. And so Rickettel is out doing the normal thing, giving interviews, talking to people about... Uh, you know, why does this make sense? And so in a pocket gamer idio interview, I'm just going to the great, great part is I can just search for like, what is the quote I'm looking for? All right, I'll just type in fucking idiots and then I can find the quote that I'm looking for. So the pocket gamer asks, uh, implementing a monetization earlier in the process and conversation is certainly an angle that has seen pushback from some developers. Riccatello. Uh Ferrari and some of the other high end car manufacturers still use clay and carving knives. It's a very small portion of the gaming industry that works that way. And some of these people are my favorite people in the world to fight with. They're the most beautiful and pure, brilliant people. They're also some of the biggest fucking idiots. And that quote obviously went over poorly with a lot of game developers (laughs) who have had a lot of anxiety about Unity over the years, whether it's their increased increased squeezing of of their pricing structure as they went became a public company, as... Things like the military contracts came out as and then being uh, told, by the way, if you think games are art, it'd be nice if you could like harness that and like make that a higher emphasis on what you do. So it makes you feel good. You're a fucking idiot. You know, leaves us in a place where uh, like a, a lot of people were uh, justifiably upset at the company. Like. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where. 
you get where you you like you can sort of see where this comment is coming from uh but yeah. at the same time it's like what is betrayed in every aspect of these interviews is it doesn't seem like he actually is able to speak to any sort of developers who like have interest in working with these tools like these are he's defending moves that have very little to do with the core product they make and how it will help developers like create using it uh and is more arguing like to a to a degree like what do you like do you want your engine the people making your game engine to have a fucking opinion about how you use that engine no just give me the goddamn tool <laughs> let me make stuff with it i like i like it's a misreading of like their place in the industry where it's thinking that oh uh unity should have an angle and a vision for how game development is supposed to work and promote that through how they develop the product and how they expand the business. And along the way, we're going to tell huge swaths of our, our client base that, oh, by the way, like we know better than you. Like we, we know your needs. And if you don't like the, the changes we're making, then you're dumbasses. And some of this stuff, like the reason the, the, um, you know, iron source thing is specifically controversial is because like, they ha- they like they have been dinged repeatedly for serving up ads that like inject stuff that fits the definition of malware and you know you you saw in some of the reaction to this game de- game developers talking about things like going through cert where if there is something conceivably in the engine that is doing things that you were not aware of and could like mm-hmm. hit at like an operating system level that's a huge problem if there's even the possibility that something like that is buried deep in the engine, you know, are you going to use that engine with your access to various like digital stores riding on it? Probably not. So like Riccatello's angle here, but the way he's pitching this and then the move itself uh, really like misread the room. And I think kind of profoundly misunderstand like it's, it's sort of what happens with, the infinite growth mindset where there's a point where you're going to saturate the available marketplace with your game engine. Probably, you know, there's just so many which, people which making you, games. Which Unity basically has, yeah. right? Like Unity's sort like, they went public riding this yeah. wave of like unlocking the ability for millions of people to accessibly make games. Uh, and then that turned them into a, you know, a billion dollar company or whatever. And then, well, then it's like, all right, well, uh, well we got to show growth. Like, do you want to help people die more efficiently? Like, that seems like an avenue. Uh, we'll get into Hollywood. We'll get into let's start selling ads to people. I mean, because you, you, you're just yeah, it's as big as it's going to get on its core functionality. And rather than I mean, it's ultimately the problem of when these companies go public is like you have to show growth and and it's like they, once you hit once you hit the ceiling, it's like, well, the squeeze has got to come from somewhere. So I guess we can squeeze out. And it's what you see with, you know, some of the stuff I've heard about, like how they want to change the pricing model of Unity going forward. It's like, well, you can squeeze in the in the middle and it's like, sure, we'll lose some of those indie developers like who just want to make stuff to make stuff. But like we weren't going to make money off of them anyway. Um, we don't need them anymore. I mean, it's it's just standard like startup venture capital firm practice like that Mm -hmm. is the like it is to a t the exact playbook that they that the industry that that particular version of industry has always run on 
and to to an embarrassing degree because like every every one of these not everyone but the majority of the companies make the same exact fumble every single time they will do the work of completely upsetting or disrupting an industry by adding something that basically dominates the market and then they will absolutely fuck themselves in the latter half and then everything collapses so the the thing i would say is I think it's actually this. I think this is much more common around like publicly traded companies because mm-hmm. you end up speaking to this audience of public investors who are like, how are we going to deliver those gains next quarter? Ah, uh, and so this is why you end up on the merger and acquisition treadmill. I think you see it more in the startup world when the core pitch hasn't worked out, right? Like it's when like all that investment is like, we're going to disrupt an industry and people are like, okay, well, are you break even? Are you profitable? No. And that's why we're re- we're like changing what the business is. <laughs> Unity hasn't well, you can, been profitable. You can see it on Oh, sorry. I was just going to say Unity hasn't broken even. Like Unity despite growing loses money year after year consistently. Like that is it is the to me it feels like the same model, right? They aren't when doing you're this spending thing. billions to acquire a company like Weta. It's like yeah, of course like of course, like any profit that you're generating is just going into this notion of exponential growth and like you you can't just be happy with what you've got. Right. And it's like a VC firm dude became its CEO, right? Like the the company has been run by VC firm people since 2014. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can even see this like on the biggest of companies, right? Like, why is Apple making a Apple, the computer company? Now, granted, they're bigger, much bigger than that. But like, why are they making a credit card? Like, why are they also also getting into like short term loan payments? Like, because that's like, they've, you know, you saturate everything else. And it's like, well, I don't know. Can we become a bank too? Sure. Oh, well, I mean, uh, hey. Look, if you're looking at a lot of easy money, if you got a big enough platform, microfinance is awesome because if you screw tons of people on like small small exchanges all the time, uh, you can just print you can just print money. Uh, I, now the thing I'm really I, I can't wait to hear more stories coming about the Apple Car project. Like I am I am addicted to those things. Like when they were like, what if we just made a whole car out of cool glass, sleek, elegant Apple, and it'd be like, Did please. You, I saw one of the like. Uh, was it Johnny Ive was their like you know creative person who left some years back and like part part of the pitch of like how they wanted to design the car I guess one of the current designs for the car that had leaked is like no one faces forward the the, the when the car is turned on like the the, the the seats all face each other so that you can look Minority Report ruled I think we all remember that scene we were like that'd be a cool way to go to work we're not there yet never will be but I see how you get there <laughs> you buy your Spielberg box set. <laughs> and uh you're like i've seen the future and it's it's the uh the conversation pit car but yeah like and and to that point about having having like blown through all that money like acquiring sort of a a user base doing this the other thing they're up against is every misstep like this they forced changes out of epic in response to like the growing market share so epic on the lower end like you you, unreal engine was never for start like it was like you're making you know shooters and things like Mm -hmm. that also open world games were basically incompatible with unreal engine um also open world games are not very compatible with with, uh, you know uh with with unity as well but like unreal is now a much more robust technology in direct response to unity and they've also like led the field by bringing in like i did an interview with one of the the matrix vfx people like because he's sort of the head of their hollywood uh division and like unreal is basically at the cutting edge of 
all that stuff, like the Mandalorian, in addition to like, what do they call that thing? The, uh, the shit that they shoot, right. the circular thing, the, the screen thing that they shoot things in. But also like all those, you know, the, the backgrounds are like built in Unreal Engine. And Unity is but, just basically just no longer has an identity. And it's just that's when you get to these interviews on PocketGamer.biz explaining like the latest merger and acquisition, as you said, Rob, because it's just a thing to talk about. Like, like, can we just get to the next fucking quarter and then we'll worry about what's the new thing we have to invent? Yeah. What, to what do you need to worry about growth? We, we're growing. We acquire this entire other company that has its own revenue and it's going to add to our revenue. And, and by that definition, we are indeed growing. Uh, but, but I think, but like Epic did have to respond to make sure that they had more options at the lower end of development, yeah. like make it more accessible. And I think some of these things that, well, in addition to just sort of breaching trust with games, ga- uh, games devs at large, uh, when you do start getting cavalier about, eh, you know, we're, we're not that interested in what small projects and, uh, you know, one, one person acts are, are, are choosing to develop on, uh, you know, I think one of the things that helps like people who make tools like this, one thing that helps you is that you become sort of the uh, lingua franca uh, in your space that like you have like the people who sort of start out cutting their teeth on your tool, go and fan out and like they will continue to sort of choose that tool when given the option. They, they, they like working on it. And so if you do start like saying, eh, you know, we don't we're we're going to serve less and less uh, the small developer, or the student developer. You are like it may take a while for the impact of that decision to be felt, but it will be felt uh, eventually mm-hmm. as people sort of, uh, you know, advance in the industry. Also, Rick Attell just seems like the biggest what a, what like he's not even capable, like someone clunge. who says quotes like that, just like. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't get it. I was just like, you've done this for so long, like you can't even tell the lies correctly. Well, th- I- this, this is this is venture capital, motherfuckers. Like across every time I have had, to, I've seen or interacted with someone who's who has a background. But John Ricketello is capital. not a VC person. Yes, he, he is. has been the head. I know, but like he has been the head of video game companies, like, right. Primarily for like the last 15, 20 years. I'm just saying it. It is. If you go and examine the comments from like other video game executives, even ones like a Strauss Zelnick who is can be a little more direct and fiery, like nobody like constantly steps in it the way that Riccatello does. Mm-hmm. And it's just it just I, I, I guess like, to your point, like it shouldn't surprise me, but then it does surprise me uh, like that someone could just keep bumbling their way forward to this to this degree. I mean, years of being around a very specific kind of person will change how you approach conversations and that is i feel like if there is if there is a read that riccatello is different than he was previously uh, or has become more stumbly it is it is the effect of being around people who approach industry in a very particular way that leads to you getting immediately and irrevocably brain poisoned and i think that is like a product of a certain kind of business practice and an understanding of business as like a thing that can be directly calculated um and like predicted Right. The like MBA model. Yeah, I think maybe that's the the that that I think is the more apt way to describe him. He's a classic MBA type because, you know, when this even this quote, like the thing about it that doesn't the thing that makes this. okay, look, car guy swooping in here. Another thing about this quote. 
the people who make cars this way are not the biggest fucking idiots. Their margins are ridiculous. Like there is some figure where like these are the people because they do this shit that he finds ridiculous. They establish a brand as like producing luxury, valuable goods made to the highest quality. Now, mind you, Ferraris and maintenance nightmares. But let's set that aside. There was a ridiculous stat that I net like I've never been able to get out of my head where Ferrari sells one Ferrari. And they make so much profit off that Ferrari that Porsche, which is probably their nearest competitor in terms of like market segment and performance, Porsche has to sell 30 cars to get that profit level that is in like one Ferrari because the margin is the margin is razor razor thin. Porsche is like is following the industrial model and Ferrari sticking to the artisan model. When Ricky Tello makes a comment like this, it is just. Hey, man, like this is just him sort of like bringing the same mass market consumer goods mindset to a space where it's just not appropriate. Like this Mm -hmm. is not these people aren't just making like fungible goods. Uh, They're not making commodities here. Uh, And and also like you're not making a consumer product. You are like you are making a professional tool. Uh, a specialized professional tool for an industry. And so like, like he can't, he can't even talk the talk here uh, because he's like, he is speaking. And I guess this is why he gets in these positions. These are quotes packaged for investor classes that MBA types like him are good at speaking to, but they are toxic to anyone outside of that, but especially the client base for a company like unity. So uh, I guess we'll we'll continue to see uh, how how this unfolds. But honestly, it does sound like workers at Unity, for a lot of reasons, could really use a union uh, to get a hand (laughs) on that wildly spinning tiller uh, that that they've got at the helm. And that's becoming more of a thing, it sounds like. Uh, Patrick, catch us up on the vicarious visions uh, situation. Uh, yeah, the, the studio that, you know, the last project was Tony X Force Gator 1 and 2. I think they also did the Diablo, uh, one, uh, remaster uh, yeah. that came out, uh, semi-recently. Uh, the QA team, I think we sort of had speculated this might happen is, like, maybe QA teams modeled after the previous unionization at Raven would, would follow. Um, and, like, in, in, in short order, uh, uh, there's been an announcement that the QA team at Vicarious Vision, which is now called Blizzard Albany, uh, is going to be uh, their QA team uh, is uh, well as, as a quote here from the uh, We Are GWE GWA Albany uh, Twitter account. Uh, Today we uh, announced a new union at Activision Blizzard. QA is currently an undervalued discipline in the game and software industries. We strive to foster work environments where we are respected and compensated for our essential role in the development process. Uh, we, the QA testers of Blizzard Albany, are committed to fostering an open, diverse, and equitable workplace. We demand an environment where our skills, ideals, and democratic Decisions are valued and respected. To that end, we organize with C uh, with the uh, CWA union uh, to form uh, our union, um, and it kind of goes on there to talk about what the the demands they would they would want. But it's a lot of the stuff you would expect, you know, a more competitive and fair compensation, transparency, yada yada yada. Um, and it's just you know, uh, I'm not shocked that we're at a second one, and I'm not shocked that it's a QA team because it provides a model going forward. Um, but I don't know. I think it's really encouraging that we've now seen 
uh, within the same company, um, within the same sort of divisions, you know, the formation, whether this one will be successful, I don't know. Like we need to be ready that like some of these won't actually work out. Like that's the nature of union votes. They don't, they don't all become successes, but uh, you know, hopefully they continue to light fires and create conversations that lead to more workers thinking this would be a valuable way to, you know, be respected within their, you know, their organizations. And I'm rooting for them. It's awesome. I'm I'm excited that this is like, this no longer is a, I wonder when this will happen in games, but now it feels like you could imagine a year or two from now we're going, oh yeah, oh okay, you know, another team announced they're unionizing and it becomes not something that you mentioned on a podcast because, uh, well, it's happened a dozen times already, which is, I want to live in that world. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, got to give shout outs to Activision Blizzard for creating the preconditions for a unionization movement uh, in in games. Uh, I I do think, like, it's exciting to see this like burning through uh, QA departments, and I think we've talked about the reasons why QA might be like the most amenable to yes. unionization. Uh, I am really curious when this movement starts to break out of that department and into more like wall to wall uh, models of organizing the industry, because like, you know, to, to our last story, one of like there, there there's the aspect in which unions help, like just help deal with work conditions and like take care of like paying benefits. But there is a model of like, the union also being influential enough to almost have like a seat or even formally getting a seat at the table in terms of like setting direction of the company. And like, I think especially for places like unity, uh, you know, you can see where I'm sure there's tons of engineers and developers on that project who are like, what the, like you are, you are, you are wrecking this. Like you are, mm-hmm. you're, you're blowing this. Uh, and, and I, and I do think uh, something similar we we know similar situations exist uh, across tons of of development studios where mismanagement or mismanagement or missteps uh, have knock on effects through every department. Um, but right now, unionization mostly seems to be happening uh, in these QA departments, and I'm I'm excited to see uh, when like other people in other parts of companies and at other levels of the company start getting on board with it. Cause it does feel like um, <clears throat> it's a, it's a major reform that needs to happen. Well, one thing that's worth noting, and I think it might help explain why this happened within the company again, is that like all parties involved essentially kind of gave a green light because uh, we talked about like, will Activision and Microsoft sort of back off because of the regulatory scrutiny that might come as a part of the acquisition that Microsoft's trying to complete, which I, the the window is opening where like that would be a problem. And it sounds like that's, it sounds like the acquisition is going to happen. But um, the CWA, the Communication Workers of America, they put out a statement some weeks back that I don't think we mentioned on the podcast, but is worth noting that said they essentially worked out with like a yeah. formal agreement with Microsoft, like, like a ceasefire, which is like, they're just going to leave it alone. Like they're not going to fight these unions. They're going to work with them. Like we have gotten like a, and like essentially this was probably Microsoft agreeing to some, something like this because of the regulatory stuff and like trying to avoid scrutiny. But I wouldn't be shocked if like, you know, if you working at Blizzard Albany and you look at that and you go like, this is the moment. Like if you're going to do it, it's when everyone is like, yeah, we're super cool with unions. Like 
sounds great, guys. Like, whatever you need. Um, because everyone is also bracing for this financial disclosure or, you know, financial transaction to close. And I don't necessarily think that means the switch is going to flip on the other side, but it is a particularly fruitful moment where it, it would be the kind of time to make that move because it's going to be a little bit easier to slide it along. Um, so not super shocked that like it happened that way, but I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I hope we see it uh, outside teams and outside Activision and Blizzard sometime in the future. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we will come back and check in on some games and uh, have pour ourselves another serving from the question bucket. Uh, so back after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. Uh, Ren, so you finished Stray and wrote a review on the site for it. And when we talked on Monday, we kind of discussed issues of perspective and what the game is doing with its uh, cat protagonist and world of robots. And I know we have to be a bit circumspect uh, mm-hmm. because it's a new game that a lot of people are just going to be digging into this weekend. But now that you've wrapped the game, uh, I- I'm curious. Where, well, actually, I'm saying I'm curious, but I read your review. Still, uh, <laughs> you know, for the purpose of this conversation, like, like where, like where have you landed on it? Uh, like, how did you end up feeling about what it was doing? Did your did your view on what it was doing change uh, since you since you played the rest? So I think last time, uh, Kato using the uh, pandemic and like the games having been primarily developed during the pandemic as a like framing device. Once I once I like once Kato helped me clock that framing device, Stray really solidified into a game about what a post-human future looks like uh down to like the perspective character right you are playing as a little cat moving through human spaces in ways that humans are not designed to from as like a thematic core it's a really brilliant choice of protagonist also it's a cute little cat um and i think cute little cat go fico um and i think that the game has a good grasp of how to portray a post-human view, how to construct images that make you feel like you were looking at a post-human future. Um, people redefining spaces uh, in ways that are like slightly different from their original intent. Um, the way you navigate geography in that game is all doing it really well. I think where it struggles is it does not have a very big imagination as to what that post-human future is. It's great at portraying it, but it cannot leave a human frame. Uh, the companions, the robots throughout the game are like distinctly are, are designed to mimic people because like, that's how you have a game about a cute little cat 
is you need the robots to act like people around the cute little cat. They have to get excited by the cute right. little cat and want to pet it. If you, right? if you take if you take that context away from a small cat, the oh, just a cute little cat doing cat things doesn't exist. The, 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 those expressions don't really mean the same thing right. if there's not people around to observe it and engage with it, right? Right. Like, and there are some cat actions that aren't scratching a little thing, scritch, 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 scritch. But like, the other thing is that you are separated from your family at the beginning of this game. So unless there are things you can interact with, this game cannot, or or people you can interact with, the game cannot really follow through on its like primary selling point. And also like its premise, you're a cute little cat doing cute little cat things. Um, and it then goes on to, I think, focus a little bit too much on the end of a different world as opposed to imagining what something new could look like um for example you don't re- you get the history of the companions insofar as you learn vaguely how they started gaining sapience um or like started learning how they you know started mimicking people and like developing emotion right you get a little bit of that but the story never feels like it's actually about them, like about imagining what their lives look like existing in a space that is like as a humanoid thing that is distinctly not human. We don't really get that perspective. And that's a bummer to me. Uh, at one point you come across a, I would say a significantly alien form of life, something that is legitimately totally incomprehensible to people. Um, and the game is mortified of it. It is absolutely terrified and i think that there is another version of this game that allows that thing to feel like a threat and to feel like something that is like worth being afraid of without portraying it as inherently ontologically monstrous Uh, and i think that comes from its like role as something that people built and so they're like oh people built this truly alien thing so therefore it's fine if we portray it as like wholly monstrous but i'm interested in the world where the holy monstrous thing that people built isn't monstrous anymore. It's just a thing that is alive in the same way that you are a little thing that is alive and wants to continue being alive. And in those ways, I think that Stray, in its attempt to properly execute its like gameplay systems, does get in the way of its core thematics, which I think the game very clearly articulates through its plot. And so it's a bit of a bummer, but I still like the game a lot. Um, I think it is a, an exceptionally well-made thing. Is, so, I, I only, I've only, oh, sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, go for it. I say, I've, I've only played about 90 minutes, but, uh, like the, 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 you know, and I don't want to retread ground, so stop me if I've, if, mm-hmm. if you did that on the previous podcast, but just as somebody that, you know, looks at this and it's like, wow, uh, this is a platformer. I find it like so fascinating, like the, as someone like views games like this, like exploration games, like through the jump button and like those are like that's like my primary way of like that's the, the, my favorite way to interact with games is like emotion and mm-hmm. momentum and and like jumping which is like one of the primary right. verbs in video games uh more broadly um it's so cool to just like have the game's interaction represented through because it's so easy to imagine a different version of this game which like you are like goofily like running around on this cat and i found such a joy in appreciating the space and the storytelling that is happening as you're as you're talking about mm-hmm. around, like through that like by stripping the player of that like agency of movement it like forces them 
to approach under like the storytelling, the environment at mm-hmm. such a deliberate pace that mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. appreciate. And it doesn't feel like throttling even, and, and it also solves a problem, which is like, yeah. I think it would look ex- exceedingly goofy to watch this cat, like have full player control, mm-hmm. but it, it works in service of the storytelling and it's pacing in a way that is just really, really interesting. And I, mm-hmm. I haven't seen like that before. And you still get a little bit of the, uh, I can goof it, right? Like I, I don't get the prompt for the, the X to show to show up if you're playing on, on a PlayStation. Um, so it kind of feels like you're cheating. Like, I don't think like I could make that jump. And it's just because the prompt didn't show and like you can uh, or can't like the game's very binary in that degree. But um, I don't know. Like I've really appreciated that part as it is related to my engagement in, mm-hmm. you know, argue, you know, st- still the early parts of the storytelling, but like th- the fact that it uses that to almost slow it to a point and click adventure um, mm-hmm. is, is just really fascinating. It that does remind me. So it does that without running into, a thing that looms large in my mind is mm-hmm. my reaction to everybody. Everybody's gone to the rapture, which is a game I think a lot about, but did not enjoy playing very much because that sort of pacing. Well, thing, that the way run button sort of, is not a run button. That's not the, the definition. The of way run. it was sort of set up to be like, you are going to look and savor this bucolic haunted English countryside. That game was as though you were playing mist, but in real time, like I'm still just clicking forward on a scene to like yeah. move six paces forward but boy when i get to watch the pretty lights appear on the screen but also i'm not sure that game even works as well as it does if you aren't forced to move that deliberately through and so i'm just curious about like this angle Mm. of like the way they control the motion of the cat and how much like it sort of lingers over itself i would say that it's less about pace and more about precision of movement the way you move is exceedingly precise in this game because like patrick's saying you are jumping to specific points with a prompt That prompt means you jump up with your little cat body and jump to a specific spot. And so it's less about, you know, moving through spaces slowly and more about moving through spaces intentionally. And that Mm -hmm. intentionality, like you can very quickly identify the route up to a thing and go hop, turn, hop, turn, hop, turn, hop, turn. (laughs) Yes, like like, like a cat does. It it actually also kind of reminds me of like when you would use run mode in a Assassin's Creed game, right? If you hold the button and just run towards the right edges and there's actually this game a place has to go. They're, they're exactly, like, that's what like, I'm saying. Hey, yeah. Just, yeah, you hold, can, you can hold down jump. Multiple ones. And yeah. so like, it feels really good if you can actually find the visual path and follow it correctly, but it also has that moment of like, ah, I thought I could jump that way, but I can't. There isn't actually the prompt there. Well, it's, it's platforming at, like, there are two different, like, kind of like designs of platforming. It's like, Where's the challenge coming from? Um, is it is it coming from your ability to manipulate your fingers, work in concert with your brain to pull off a jump? In which case, the puzzle is not like where you're going to, right? Like the puzzle is figuring out the momentum, the movement of the character and working that in concert with your understanding of the game's physics. Um, those are the ones that like really tickle my brain. It's because I find it's it's also the be- I, I'm the best at that. It's the like I don't consider myself great at games, but I am very good at platformers and feel very confident. So I like engaging with games that play with that. And the other version of that is what Kata was saying, sort of the Assassin's Creed, in which like it's really a puzzle, and then it's it's a visual puzzle. And and whereas Assassin's Creed hides like the the, the X's, like that is just built into the the layers of design, and then you just hold R two or whatever to to work. Ezio up the the tower. I, I like that Stray, like, it changes the way you look at the... Like, mm-hmm. if you 
Because you could, you could literally just remove this, right? And you could just let the cat jump. But the way you would interact with that world is so profoundly different and so less interesting. And obviously that works in concert with the design, like, you know, the, the aesthetic language and the design language. But like, if you were quite literally, there could be a mod for this game on the PC that's like, let the cat jump. And like, it just wouldn't be as interesting because what's, what's cool is, is the game, is you pausing as the cat, panning the camera and doing exactly what Kato's saying, like in Assassin's Creed is like, okay, I can do this, this, this. Oh, there's spikes here. Like, that's not an optional path, but like, here, I can move along this, I can move along this way. And it's really fun to then, you know, the execution is just hitting it. Like, you're just watching, you did it before you do the jumps. Right. Um, and that is a different level of satisfaction where essentially you've solved, it was a little bit like watching the two of you work on, you know, that puzzle game yesterday where you're doing a lot of things along the way, but a lot of it is like thinking through and then watching it execute. And like the same way that you would watch Hey, here's how we solved the the puzzle solution. What, what is the game? I want to make sure I at least Opus Magnum. Opus. Yes, uh, and like that last moment of like watch the gears work in concert. We've solved the puzzle. There's a little bit of that in here where it's like, okay, I know where the cat is going to go. I'm just going to hit X and X and, and not execute it. I'm just I've already done that part. I'm just hitting the button to watch it kind of play out. And it's a different layer of satisfaction, but one that I've I, I've really enjoyed that that part of it. Yeah, I think that it's it's a really strong decision. Uh, it only has, it only gets in its own way during very particular sequences. There are some escape sequences where this exact like you are asked to platform extremely quickly, uh, and and to do so in a space that you do that you don't have time to really make a layout through. And what ends up happening is you go to a point and you're like, oh, I can jump here, and then you suddenly can't. Uh, yeah, and then I you agree. just get absolutely owned and you're like or the, right, the prompt's fine. not there where right. and that's and that's 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 the that's a consequence of like removing like you're you're relying on the designer and the ui mm-hmm. to function for what otherwise would be the player hitting mm-hmm. that jump button and, and navigating them themselves and said so you're relying that like i will point the camera in the direction and that prompt will show right. and even in the couple of escape sequences i've i've done so far i've had instances where okay well like no i did it like this, this is not my fault. This is the game's fault. And that doesn't feel good. I think it ends up like, you know, working out in, in the end, but that is like a natural consequence of that is like, they can account for what they think the player is going to do. But then if that doesn't line up with their expectations, like that doesn't feel good. And in a game where it's platforming is meant to look cinematic and cool because they're going to take the challenge out of the, the, the finger part um, when that expectation doesn't meet. Like it's like it's it doesn't make the escape sequence look cool anymore. Like it's kind of like when you play a horror game, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 like the the chase sequence doesn't work out the first time. Like, well, it's no fun to do it a second time. And like you can kind of recreate that feeling in Stray sometimes, where like I just just do the thing and like I did it, like, and I just didn't get the prompt to actually watch the action occur. There are some late game vision cone stealth segments. Uh, don't like that could you just remove that from your uh just that's not in the game no i think they patched that out ren so if you don't like uh being caught because you didn't get a prompt uh Ah. like six times like six or seven times and you have to go most of the way through it every time uh i thought we were past this as like a society (laughs) like as players (laughs) as as like i thought we learned we don't do we don't do this any anymore. Stealth uh, as a cute stealth as a cute little cat is a good idea. I think yes. it is implemented in this game in the 
least stealthily feeling version possible. <laughs> it is just like if you can see the vision cones on the ground, I don't feel like I'm being stealthy like a little cat. Yeah. It's not about route setting as much as it's just like gotta wait till he turns around. Like sneak Pliskin looking ass. It's 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 yeah. awful. Get the like get the fuck out of here. Um it's it's really frustrating, like mechanically. There was one segment that I was like stuck on for probably like I it took me over ten attempts. And by the end I was just like, I understand that burns a lot of goodwill. I yeah, understand what the puzzle you're doing is, but if I get zapped one more time, I'm gonna unhinge my jaw like a snake. And I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the worst feeling in games like that, where you have you've done what the designers have asked and your inability to move past the sequence does not. You know, it's a combination of you're now frustrated. So you're not exerting the patience that you would have 10 tries ago because you just want it to be over. And so you're not, then you're like running up against how the designers inten- like intentions. But because I, the designers failed to make a sequence that feels like the, the the challenge is not paced appropriately uh you end up like you know it's like you have to tell yourself like just stop just stop because then you're just gonna have to do this thing again and that sucks i think one of the <laughs> worst feelings seen some games. comparison i've seen some comparisons of this uh and like naughty dog games right then a lot of ways yeah. this is like play, like pulling from the naughty dog playbook and the thing that like naughty dog by virtue, I think, of just like long time expertise in making games like this, but also the sheer amount of like playtesting resources they probably have to do it, like can get away with a ton of this stuff where even though they pull these tropes all the time, like their stealth model generally is vision cone type shit, uh, but they are able to make it so that you feel like, yep, I embody the character, I'm competent and good at all this and doing the stuff. Uh, and they run into that way less now, uh, although even there occasionally they still do. But it's like it's hard uh, because the weird thing is this sort of gameplay is not that interesting or intellectually challenging, right? Like it's one of those things where you look at the screen, and you're like, this is the most obvious rote shit it could possibly be. But actually designing it so that playing through it is not aggravating still uh, yeah. is is tough. That is a tough thing to tune. Yeah, it is. It is the. I understand that I have to get these 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 little robots into this room with two doors. I get it. I I get it so clearly that I have to do this and then lock them both in there. I I know. You open you open both, then you pull one in and you go close the other one and you hop around. It's it's easy. Is is easy. Just let uh, me move on. Just let, please. Yep. I, begging you this little cat does not control as gracefully as you hope it does especially in this situation um which like yeah i mean it's 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 fine it's a it's a minor mechanical complaint about a game i think otherwise does things very well uh it is it is a point at which through feel the distance between the player and the little cat is closed even when through like the way you're solving puzzles, the distance between the player and the little cat is like a is a is a pretty significant gulf, uh, and and like it, it's a good way to get around that, um, make it feel connective, even if it doesn't like feel connective in your brain. So yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad it's successful. Like it's not just successful; like it is like a genuine sort of like <laughs> blockbuster relative to oh, expectations, yeah. and it's, it's just neat to see a game with this approach, lack of combat, not just be like good and like the kind of thing that like 
games writers and people who play indie games are championing, but like is like out there having 60,000 plus con- like concurrent yeah. players on steam. It's, like that's like a multi-million dollar selling game. It's like in the zeitgeist in a way that, yeah, I hope it has ripple effects going forward. Like hard to, you know, you can't just replicate, make, don't make the game with the dog instead. Someone like, will try, like, but yeah, <laughs> right. we're, we're warning um, you now. Don't say you weren't warned. <laughs> um, also dogs are gonna be way less good at most of this. So different gameplay <laughs> challenge. Uh, like I love, like, I like, Listen, is it would Mina be a compelling protagonist? Absolutely. But let me tell you that like, Mina that game is fundamentally social. It's not stealth. Believe me, it is not stealth and it is inconsistent agility is the way we put it. <laughs> uh let me something. Hey, Patrick, I want to like I want to check in. We need a little handheld gaming uh section here. A little report on the state Ooh. of handheld. Patrick, yeah. on your vacation. Yes. How much Steam Deck time? uh did you get and did this burning heat uh like have any impact on your enjoyment or performance of said steam deck i brought my steam deck with and the most that i did with it was hand it to a cousin who was like "Ooh, you have a steam deck and he played (laughs) rogue legacy 2 for 20 minutes Um, about it okay i like i genuinely went like fully offline not like fully offline like i did at times while waiting in line for things for my children this is like such a shameful thing to admit, but like archive some emails because the the the, the number was stressing, Ooh, was stressing. Yeah, you were like, gotta <laughs> gotta get to. But my... that's what I, but that but I didn't I, I didn't check Twitter. I like didn't interact with social media. I I, I got off that. And I was like the valve I would allow myself was like I'm not. I, I'm usually have my email all cleaned up by the end of day, and like it's bothering me. But I'm in line for this breakfast burrito for the next 20 minutes <laughs> what have i got rid what of like breakfast burrito minutes? is worth a 20 minute mo- is this a tourist town situation it's a tourist town it was yeah. just like that's the thing that's down the street and you're gonna it was pretty good not 20 minutes good but it was just like you need to get food and it's the thing that was down the street um that said i did play uh like a couple of things uh one was i want to give a shout outs to uh i don't know what the, what is this collection called clonoa fantasy revere i think that's how you pronounce it klonoa is i wonder if other people have this experience like klonoa is simultaneously uh it's a platforming series released by uh uh namco first game came out on the ps1 second game came out on the ps2 they made some spinoffs for handhelds Uh, it's like a cute little platformer where this little floaty little animal character um can pick up creatures in a ball and Use that to double jump or throw them. It's just a really cute, simple, delightful platformer. It means a lot to me. Uh, like, I adored these games when I was younger. The reason I wanted to play them again was because if you were to ask me, but Patrick, why? I would have no answer for you. I, I know in my heart, boy, I really not just liked these games, but loved them. But then if I was forced to, like, Patrick, could you... That's sort of like a really interesting story. Like, hey, like, people might want to read that before this comes out. You know, could you write that down? No. I could not. I could not tell... I could not articulate to you, like, why. Why I why I was so charmed by them as a child. And so revisiting them was interesting because I now have a better sense of that, which is not anything revelatory. It's like, these are just, like, really solid of their era platforming games in which the aesthetic like really connected with me now granted none of you are probably going to play this it is worth like looking up the ending to Klonoa it it secretly hides one of the most upsetting 
and dark endings in a video game. <laughs> like, like just stuck in this right. platformer. Yes. So I think one, like we're always thinking about like things for the end of the year, like just mm-hmm. concepts or pods. Mm-hmm. I think most bizarre or like just jaw dropping ending <laughs> to a game that we played like recently uh-huh. could be a category because uh-huh. I am sitting on like, I'm like, I'm sitting on the experience of finishing the Gran Turismo single player campaign. And Ooh. like, it is like, this is, this is a direction to go. Sure. <laughs> so th- this uh, is one of my favorite things I used to do with giant bomb. Cause I would play some of the weirder stuff. And so every time during the game of the year, I was like, all right, this is the time we're in spoiler section. Like I remember famously, cause Austin's brought this up a couple of times with me privately. It's like, I'm going to tell you all what happens at the end of Dragon's Dogma. And if you don't know what happens at the end of Dragon's Dogma, it is fucking it's buck wild how that <laughs> game ends, but then doesn't end. And then to get the true end is just a top 10 video game ending. It is. And Klonoa is, is, I don't know if it's as shocking as that, uh, but it is, it is in that wheelhouse. And so I think there might be a world. Yes, Rob, where I think you should, <laughs> you should sit on that. I'm going to sit on the ending of Klonoa. I will close this YouTube link. We should talk through these different endings and just spoil it for ourselves later this year. Um, I've closed the YouTube link. I will stop watching the end of Klonoa. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Don't do that. We'll we'll get there. Okay. Ren, have you finished Dragon's Dogma? I feel like you were nodding. So you agree with me that the ending of the game is... is, It's, we'll do it again. We'll, you know, I'll, I will re. We could re talk about the ending of Dragon's Dogma later. I've heard I well. should play Dragon's Dogma. Rob, you should. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. You should play Dragon's Dogma. I. That is probably the most formative. One of the most formative experiences I have. I had as a youth playing video games was going to a <laughs> rental store, renting Dragon's Dogma playing it and being like what the fuck is happening to me and then it became like a half remembered thing in the corner of my Why mind did you rent for- it? because i rented all games when i was a kid no i know but like was there a specific reason i was like oh i'm picking up dragon's dogma or it was just the one no i when i was a kid i would go uh with my grandmother well, i know i know this part yeah right. where you would go with yeah, your yeah. family but like i was just wondering if like was it like you had read something online like Mm-mm. what led you or is it just no idea okay. no i right. totally okay. random good. Rented the game and was like, gotcha. "What the fuck?" This and it was like got a dragon in it. <laughs> it was a haze memory for like four years until they released Dark Arisen, and I played that right. as a teenager. And I was right. like, "This is going to utterly change the way I all, think about and experience video games." I would just when I, I uh, when that game came out and like I turned Austin onto it because I decided to play the giant bomb and he watched the quick look of it. Like I would just at <laughs> Giant Bomb, I would I would just put that title screen on for the original. I never played Dark Arisen, but mm-hmm. uh, the original title from Dragon's Dogma just has that fucking sick ass metal music on the free. screen. I would just come in. I was the first out of the office usually, so just turn that on, go get some coffee, and just have that music playing <laughs> at my desk. We were separated from the. We were not next to GameSpot, so I wouldn't have done that to be an asshole. But like that was my way of signaling to the rest of Giant Bomb. I was like, I'm in. I'm here. Um, anyway, Clono is good. Uh, uh, if, if you didn't like the, if you don't like these styles of like older platformers, like they are archaic, they've done nothing mechanically to, to change them. But if you have a nostalgia for them, I haven't revisited two yet. I'm working my way through, through one. Um, they're still good. They're still delightful. Um, and, uh, but all the, 
weird thing to point out. So lots of games let you fast forward through text. And this is like a common thing you can do in, in older games. Like they'll have different fast forward, rewind sort of like options, uh, especially like if for, for games that are like, you know, 8-bit and 16-bit that were really difficult. So this game has a pretty frequent cutscenes, and it has, it doesn't let you like, so normally when you're fast forwarding through text, it's like hold the button down and it'll just like scoot through it. This game treats the cutscenes, which are real time, as it's like a video timeline. And so if I want to see the, the the text faster, I'm holding like a fast forward button, like on a VCR, <laughs> but I can only go forward. And Wait, so, whoa, oh, no. but no reverse. No reverse. Because I was so, like, this is a great idea until you said that. Yeah. <laughs> it was so like, it's a sadistic idea. Yes. And so I'm like having to like tap it like I'm like hitting the brake on a car where it's like I need this to go a little faster so I can skip to the next line. And it's wild because like it, it, the whole cutscene moves faster um, and it doesn't treat the again, it treats like think, think of it like the timeline of a video file as opposed to I'm just going to make the text move faster, which is usually how they approaches it for like JRPGs and things like that. It's totally bizarre. It's super weird. It sucks. Um, but Klonoa is uh, still good. Is this the intro? This is a, not just the intro, this is someone's uh, AMV style edit with the theme song uh, <laughs> a- accompanied by uh, a footage, like clips oh, from the yeah, game. Oh yeah, there it is. You gotta get like 55, 46 seconds into this and then it cranks up and that guitar gets a dragon's dogma. I would I just add my own lyrics to it, which is just dragon's dogma being said over <laughs> and over again on the music. It's it's such a hang it's on, such a hang gorgeous. On. Should I not yeah. see this, dude? It looks like there's lots of plot stuff in this. Um, no, there you're isn't. Good. It's not, no. There's right. Rob. Not a chance that you're gonna parse that out to what happens in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm looking at this plot stuff. Uh, well, actually. Uh. 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 Stop before. Just listen to the first minute. Yeah, and then just you're the right, first minute. You're good. You'll get a good just sense get to of that. The, just get to when it kicks in. Forty yeah, about forty yeah. seconds in, you'll you'll hear the uh the metal drop. Nodding. He's nodding. He's at the slow portion. It's uh, it's working uh-huh. its way up. It's pretty. Like what it, what are they talking about? It's majestic. What, 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 like how could this be a Vortex? Song? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the dragon dog theme. Look, mm-hmm. look it up if you've not somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking Rob. villagers about to get owned, and yeah, they're getting owned. Okay. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> they, they they did not. They they are not in compliance with the dragon's dogma. It would appear. And you know what? If their masterworks, all you can't go wrong is not in dragon dragon's dogma too. Just cancel that game. Just fucking cancel. That'll make sense to the dogma. Uh, Fuck, Patrick, so was there some you said was that you had one game you were into this break? Is there another one, another one you wanted yeah. to hit? Oh yeah. Uh um, bah, bah, bah. uh yeah, the other one I just wanted to shout out just because so uh Moss Book One was a game that came out on PSVR, and then I think it is on all the other VR platforms now. It is a game where you play a tiny little mouse and you the the character you're controlling the mouse, but you are the character of the reader. It's sort of like when you open a book, you actually become not just the narrator, but a participant in this world. And like in this world, they recognize that readers are like these <laughs> omnipotent <laughs> presences in, in the world. And you play as a little mouse. He's on a little quest. I don't really remember much of the story. It's it's it kind of inconsequential, but like it's fine. But what really struck me is like it, uh, Moss is a game in which it's a VR game. It wouldn't really be particularly entertaining 
if it was not, it's like one of those games that like uses each of his environments are a diorama. And so like it places the character like very specifically in a way where like it feels like, you know, if you've ever, you know, like I remember growing up, you know, like you would go to the library and everyone's like laid out the little dioramas they've made for, for class. And like the fun was like getting down there in close and like seeing the little details uh, that, that people put into it. And like this game replicates the, it turns into a game, the sense of exploring a diorama and it's really cool and charming and beautiful and just, I just was really charmed by the first one. The second one comes out, uh, I think earlier this year, unceremoniously dumped probably because of contractual reasons onto PSVR, uh, which is a pain in the ass to connect to the PlayStation 5. The PSVR is just the most wired filled monstrosity with its own brick. It's a nightmare to set up. Like I stopped using it ages ago and I don't think I could sell it to anyone. It just sits in a <laughs> just sits in a box <laughs> until I figure out something better to do with it that is I can't throw it out. Sony sent it to me. Sony, do you want it back? Can I, can I give this back to you? I don't want it. Um, and so uh, Moss Book 2 comes out and as excited as I am to play it, I was like, oh, cool. Like, this will be like a week of me getting back into VR games, which is kind of how I approach the the format. Uh, I like told the developers like, hey, we know you love the first game. Here's the code for the second game. And I was like, ah. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to connect <laughs> my play. Yes. I felt, I felt heartbroken. Like I know that wow, blah, blah, ethics. I was like, no, I was like, I, and they, they came to me early because they were like, we knew you, how much you like this. Like here, you can play the new one. I'm like I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, but I will like when it's out on the quest too. You know, or the meta or what other fuck we're calling that thing now. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it there. And they're like, yeah, later this year, I guess. And I'm like, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm going to close this DM because it's too awkward now. <laughs> like, we're just, we're not, we can't do this anymore. Uh... But get back to me in six months or whatever. And uh, so it is out. I've not played a lot of it. I just wanted to point people toward it is coming out, I think, today um, or yesterday, I believe, after this uh, podcast is released. Um if you have not played the first, go play it. It's excellent. And the, the new one, Moss Book 2, uh, the like hour I've played is is more of that. Um, and, and hopefully I'll have a chance to play a couple more hours or two to get into what is interesting about it this time around. Um, but uh, yeah, just it had gotten just completely buried on, on the PlayStation, especially because Sony was also actively ignoring PSVR because they have their new fancy VR headset that is coming out, I, I think, uh, sometime early next year. Uh, and so... Just too bad for a really cool game that I hope gets a second life now that it's on platforms that people actually use. So yeah, Moss Book Two uh, seems seems really good. All right, nice. uh, looks to me like we should actually. I want to complete this handheld gaming check in. Ren, yes, we talked a bit about this before the show, but yeah. what's going on with with this DS situation we've so, got here? Like, well, first of all, why are you going through this? And second. What is the current state of your DS? Okay, so Shin Megami Tensei uh, Soul Hackers 2 is ideally coming out next month, and I'm very excited for it because I love that series very, very deeply in, in my heart of hearts. And I was like, what if I went back and played the original 1997 game, Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Soul Hackers? Um, love a game with two colons in the title. Um <laughs> A game that I purchased uh, in 2014 
uh, during the flight home from Disney World. Um, I remember this very vividly because here's the thing about the Nintendo 3DS. Wait, did you download this over airport Wi-Fi? As a yes, as a child. <laughs> You can get I, the, 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 the Orlando checking, uh, <laughs> like Wi-Fi process. Yes, I would. I would like. Anyway, continue. As a child, I did not like lying. It made me feel bad. Um, and so when my 3DS asked my age, I, like a fucking idiot, uh, put my real shit in there. Uh, <laughs> and so how old were you? Uh, the, I think I was like 13. Okay, that's. All right, that's char- that's charming now. It's like yeah, let me see when those soul like, hackers we make. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. All all problems Wait, I had with lying away? disappeared when, what, by like okay. Thir- thirteen. Can't lie. When does Ren uh, break? Let's think. I lost my faith in like 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the beginning of that arc. I, like I, that was the beginning. Um, is when I learned that Jesus gets sad when you do certain things, and I was like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> hey DS, I'm coming for you. By that um, I mean a different age. Yeah, no I think Jesus probably, and like no real ages. Probably 2014, 2015. Okay. Um. Wait, so right at the t- end, I don't think Mr. Iwata is is seeing my answers here. <laughs> I think. God, I think this um, is just me in the interface. Um. And so. I put my age in as under 18, and the problem is that to buy a 3DS game as someone under the age of 18 that is rated M, you have to have parental controls on your device. And so, I was like, well, I can just set these up for myself, because, like, I can, because, like, I was like, I was like, Mom, do you care if I do? And she's like, no, I fucking don't, no, I don't care. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, in that case, I'm going to set up uh, my own parental controls pin and secret password um with a question what is your favorite movie and here's a problem about the nintendo the 3ds okay did you know that you have to put in the parental controls password uh in order to access uh your internet connection settings no that makes sense i feel so like you can't I'll change discover your that wi-fi at some point, settings but i haven't gotten there yet you can't change your Wi-Fi settings without the parental control pin uh, or secret password. So wait, were you totally checkmated at this point? No, 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 no. Not, not in my early life. No, no, no. I just, I was, I was totally fine. No, but, but in the I Orlando was, airport. No, I was fine. All right. I was fine then. Because again, I, I oh, made yeah. all the password. I made it for myself. For me, para me. Okay. Um, but it wasn't then, a situation where you already needed to have the account just to even create like all yeah. the to okay yeah. cool we're we're golden I, I set all this up for myself yeah. I was I was I was good at the time but so I bought devil I I bought Soul Hackers uh, I played a little bit of it as a child as a youth uh, and then I moved on to other Shimagami Tensei games and then so recently I was like oh let's go back and play it and I opened my 3ds for the first time in my new apartment and I'm like oh fuck I don't have no Wi Fi. Fuck me. I click on the settings menu and I open it up and I see that pin and I'm like, I don't know this pin. <laughs> Let me click on the secret question. Secret question. What is your favorite movie? I have absolutely no fucking clue what my favorite movie was at 13 years old. Are you doing a comedy uh, joke at the me? Wind I that have... shakes the barley? 
I have no Shrek idea. Shrek 2? Digimon the movie. So I stared at that screen and I was like, fuck. Well, Nintendo does have a way to get your to get your account back. There's a master key for every 3DS at every on every date. Uh and so basically to get this master key, you have to have your 3DS set to the correct time and date. You have to have its serial number. Uh, and then you have to go to Nintendo's website and type in your serial number and your inquiry number and then do a 50 cent credit card transaction to uh-huh. prove that you have a card and therefore are of are of age. Right. If you have a card and can do the transaction, then that is their test for are you of age, which led me to see the most irritating image I've ever seen of Mario, uh, where he is just going to verbally, I'm going to paint a word picture. Mario is coming out of a pipe. He puts his arm on one side mm -hmm. of the pipe. uh, And then he puts his left arm on the other side of the pipe and is like holding his chin up. Like he's like he's, he's it's a real casual vibe where he's like, "Hey, it's a me, Mario. Give me fifty cents. Come on, gotta grease these palms a little. <laughs> Yahoo! Let's go to your checking account." Um, he's got he's got oh. heinous vibes in this picture. Uh, and there's so kind I did- of a we gonna do this thing or not vibe to it. <laughs> like the mechanic has told you what the cost is. Look, he doesn't have to repair it. <laughs> so yeah if you've the- made it to this screen so like th- w- what makes this so funny and like this is from my own perspective as a parent is like you are at like nintendo can do whatever they want at this point like if you are trying to solve this problem for your kid like they got locked out it's like i mean what are you gonna do go buy a new 3ds like fuck like this could be in some ways i'm shocked it's 50 cents because you'd pay anything at this stage, right? They, like it could Nintendo. be fifty dollars, and what do you what are you gonna do? Not pay it? No, <laughs> you're going to pay it. Yeah, I was gonna say. So I if think anything, that- our benevolent you know, Nintendo cutting us a deal at only fifty cents. What? Thanks, Mario. <laughs> um, and so I do this. I type in my current card information, which I've memorized because I lost my physical card. Um. <laughs> 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 that's God, i don't know how you my other one got sometimes. stolen so um, yeah, and you haven't closed it down no i closed it oh the bank closed it let's be fair um <laughs> Jesus. they saw a couple hundred dollars <laughs> okay just continue we just if we go down this i'm just gonna rub my thumbs for a while so they put the code in you did it yeah great well no i didn't no i didn't out. i put the i put the card in and then I click on the 3DS screen that goes to the input code button. And this is where my second set of problems begin. Because I hit that button on the 3DS, whole screen freezes. The 3DS turns to stone in my hands. <laughs> but the music is still playing. And that is a worse sign somehow. The fact that the screen is totally frozen and the music is still playing means that it's not like an issue with the screen or an issue with the battery, something else has gone truly wrong in the device. And so then I hold the power button for about 10 seconds. Nothing happens. 
And I'm like, oh, this is getting worse, huh? And eventually the system just totally conks out. Zero warning. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to try and reboot my 3DS again. I turn it on. The screen is black for about 15 seconds. For about a minute. And I'm like, okay, we're going to try this again. <laughs> I press the, press the button. I turn the Nintendo 3DS off. I'm like, all right, third times, third times the charm, baby. Turn it on again. Black screen. It is at this point, I'm like, you know what? I'm willing kind of to try anything here. And so I take my thumbs and I press them real hard into the bottom touchscreen oh. of the Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> and it turns on. <laughs> what the? No. And the device, the device does turn on. And it is at this point that I'm talking to a couple of friends about it, and they are flabbergasted. Um, I keep going. I get back to the parental control screen. I'm like, here we go. It freezes again. I squeeze it really hard again. They keep going. Also, when I shake it, it makes a little rattling noise, which I think is cute. Um, (laughs) That's the coins. Um, And then eventually I get to the screen. I type in the password. I go to the Nintendo 3DS eShop, which, by the way, they changed the music. It fucking sucks. The Nintendo 3DS eShop music is garbage. Dog dog shit tier. Made me very upset. And I successfully re-downloaded the video game. This whole process took about two hours uh, of me futzing with this with this little with this little box in my hands just so i could download a game i purchased in 2013 which you can only do for a little bit longer now because nintendo is shutting down the nintendo 3ds eShop. did you know for example that you can't use a credit card to make transactions in the nintendo 3ds eShop right now you yes, have to yeah. use nintendo points yeah. uh Oof. so basically the store is functionally shut down at this point and so I successfully redownloaded the game and have since got fucking knock on wood. It has not had problems since then. <laughs> but that, but that, but that two hour period was a real. I can tell my 3DS is kind of on its last legs. It is, it has stayed with me for a good, I think, eight years at this point. Like eight years and. The paint on it gone from playing Monster Hunter 4 Ultimates. So I, I think that I may be pretty soon in the market for a new 3DS, um, which did lead to me looking at the different models of 3DS, which now leads me to firmly say uh, the Nintendo 3DS is the peak of the of the f- 3DS form, and everything since then has been more powerful and more ugly. Uh, and that's been that's been tough <laughs> for me um, because I do need a strong one. But it will be hideous, uh, and that frustrates me. So, what's your you have a you have a set timeline to do that in, right? Because after a certain point, you won't be able to re-download anything, right? Do we know what that date is? It's coming up, isn't it? Yes. Uh, eShop closure. I saw something going around recently. Um, closure date is ah, uh, you got time. March twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Yeah. So I have I have plenty of time. <laughs> Uh, Shin Megami Tensei, uh, Devil Summoner, Soul Hackers, still a good game. Hey, still a weird fucking video game. 
the most 1997 a character has ever looked. Your childhood best friend gets possessed by a demon who immediately goes to the store to buy a cool leather jacket. <laughs> That's how you know they're possessed. So she can be, so she can be a sick cyberpunk lady. Goes uh, to the store, buys a cool leather jacket, uh, and uh, immediately dyes her hair white. Great. Because that's what possession That's, how, that's how it was back then. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Let us, before we go, take a little take a little dip in the question bucket. First one here comes from Ryan in Edinburgh. Uh, Ryan asks, dear honorable comrades, my question regards spoilers, specifically, what is a spoiler and what isn't? My wife and I recently found ourselves watching the 2016 true crime anthology series, American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. For context, I'm about 30 and from Scotland, but am very familiar with the O.J. Simpson trial story via growing up online on forums, wiki pages and torrent sites and having my brain poisoned by American media. My wife, on the other hand, is from rural Ireland and never had an internet connection until her teens, and her parents only got a reliable connection for streaming in the past couple of years. You might see where this is going. Midway through one of the trial scenes, my wife said, this is insane. And I said, I know. I can't believe he got away with it. To which she, sa- to which she said, what? <laughs> As it was not yet clear oh, no. in the show exactly what happened the night of the murder... She was under the impression OJ was innocent and being framed by the police. I was shocked she didn't know the outcome of the trial and what the broad public perception down the years of what really happened is. In her view, this was a massive spoiler. While in my view, it's one of the most famous trials everywhere and everyone knows what happened. So my question is, is spoiling something that happened in real life really a spoiler? Could you consider this one? Does it matter? And have you ever found yourselves in a similar situation? Yours sincerely. And the island is discovering it's not immune to climate change. Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, this was like an innocent, right? This was an accident. Oh, yeah. I think, I think like, so the OJ one is like, like pretty, like, I I totally understand where this person comes from. But there are times where I have watched like, like reenactment dramatizations or documentaries. Like part of the, I hesitate to use the word fun, but like what's interesting is like, I want to see where it goes and how it frames it and how we get there. And usually my process is to, if I don't know what happens, I will wait till the end. And then I go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole to like, and YouTube and and stuff like that. So, I mean, these are, these are narrative things. So yes, like it is a spoiler. Like, uh, but I also can't really fault the person being like, (laughs) So I will because I, I will say this. I don't think I like that series a lot. People versus OJ Simpson's really good, mm-hmm. but it is so self-consciously in dialogue with the memories of the trial and all the rumors around it and all the characters that popped up. Like I think to an extent, like People versus OJ is totally like it's expecting you to know like when these characters pop up, you're supposed to immediately remember. I remember when they testified. I remember how this yeah, played out. Sure. And so, like, to to an extent, like, I think, you know what, Ryan? Ryan, you enrich that experience. I uh, bullshit. Like, that, no, yeah, you, so I was like, <laughs> bullshit. So, so in, in, in your, like, so, yeah, so, so Ryan's wife was in the, she was in the same state of innocence that, uh, that, like, David Schwimmer's character, uh, like, uh, Rob Kardashian 
is in at, at this point. Uh, sure. I mean, where, like, if you want to make the large, if part of your point is the larger point of, hey, is it a problem that we have so disconnected, like the, the, the genre of true crime has is so disconnected from the real world events that it can be considered a spoiler to know what happens in a real world event that is being dramatized. I'm with you there. Like, like the genre of true crime, like essentially plucks, you know, real world events. And like, so then the notion that it becomes a spoiler is in some ways like a, a natural consequence of, well, I don't want to think about it as a real thing. Like I'm here to watch the TV show or movie. Like I'm with, I'm with you there. Is that being an issue? But I don't know in the moment. It's like, I don't know how it was helpful that she knew the ending when she was excited to see where it went. Uh, yeah, I think the like it just it, this this would come up anytime like a movie pops up in your niche area too, and mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I know the story, yeah, and it's like the big dramatic twist is something that is infamous, and so like the question just becomes, how are they going to carry it off? But wait, hasn't this has come up before in a podcast where Rob, you have been the you told the story at some point, like, and we pinpointed this, but you're the guy that like we go to watch the movie with you. You figure out the twists and it's like, don't tell everyone else. Like we're here for the rest of the movie while you're just sitting there to watch it play out already yeah. knowing what's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. I I find myself in a very similar position as Rob. I, I am a person who could not care less about spoilers because I'm interested. The joy I get out of engaging with a piece of media is in its execution. And for me, knowing what's going to happen lets me understand that execution and how the execution is like being constructed on my first viewing. And that is extremely fun for me. That is that is like my favorite thing about Hate engaging it. with could, art. Like, could, could not run further away. <laughs> totally understand where you're coming from. I'm just the whole time going, no, please don't tell me. <laughs> it, it, it means that I have a very bad barometer for what spoilers are, which I often yeah. have to apologize for because like I don't. I don't know what other people consider a spoiler. I'm very bad at understanding it. Uh, and so struggle frequently. And so I, I've been trying to be much better about it in recent years. Uh, so I do not so, so, so dissent and so, so chaos around me. I mean, uh, I feel like what a spoiler is, is going to change to person, person anyways, right? It's like almost impossible to like hit everyone's spoiler, uh, Spoiler limit, especially in in this specific uh, the questions specific yeah, framing. That that's so literally OJ impossible. OJ trial is a tough one. <laughs> that is not even just OJ trial, just like real any real life. Like you don't know who's heard of what, right? Like you can't. There's so much shit happens in the fucking world. You can't be sure of like when like you know because of a, a show literally just dropped that no one else knows what's going to happen because we're watching it the second it drops you know that they can't know what the ending is in that in that case uh, until everyone's watched it but like that yeah that historical thing is just like oh sometimes people miss things miss events because of their you know their place in in, in culture so like <laughs> who could I, I also this is reminding me actually of a conversation that uh, uh, friends of the site, uh, uh, Cam Kunzelman and Michael Lutz have had on their podcast, Homestuck Made This World. We're talking about the construction of media as built around, like the construction of modern media industry as being built around this like speculative engine. Uh, where basically yeah. keep, what you, you do is you build speculation in your audience and you let that drive them forward to the next work. Um, and kind of doesn't matter how good you make the thing as long as it generates enough speculation to kind of drive the engine forward a little bit further. Um, 
And that is always what like spoiler like spoiler discussions make me think of is that like w- don't let don't ruin the speculation for me and I get like I get frustrated personally when I'm like sometimes the speculation is all there is here and that is when yeah. I get irritated uh with yeah. a sp- with a particular work is when I'm like this is just speculation it's nothing else it is built to create a puzzle box that will surprise this is a jack in the box yep. I don't I don't care when it pops out because I know it's I don't mm. Yeah, no, that that's that's definitely true. The 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 there enti- there are some there are a lot of things that are entirely about like, man, bet you have no idea what's happening next. And it's like, no, but also if I did know, uh, it would probably reveal just how empty this entire spectacle is. People will go to Marvel movies just to see the end credit sequence. They will go to yeah. a movie that they don't want to see to see the end credit sequence that is going to set up speculation for the next thing. Uh people upload next question. Those on the internet. You don't gotta go watch what what <laughs> well, people yeah, do yeah, that people, people 100 percent do that oh my god i know people who have done that multiple <laughs> times brutal i mean I, i'm the person who likes those movies i'm gonna sidestep this discussion i'm not gonna <laughs> <hit> <laughs> uh all kyle right did it, kyle did it in infinity podcast with me he liked that movie that movie was okay that was, <laughs> it was fine i think they're fine i think they're fine it's, i don't want to do it i don't want to do it do you know <laughs> <Jared, Jared, laughs> right. do you see multiverse of madness <laughs> Patrick, did you get around yeah, to that I one? I feel like that, that feels like fucking it was fucking rules. Watershed. It would be <laughs> <the same laughs> <movie. laughs> The oh great filter of who made it through. Yeah, that's Sam Raimi. You're going to be like, I, I love it, Sam Raimi-ness. Uh, oh, shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> that's that's a dead-on. Right, look at the Sam Raimi. That's uh, Patrick. All right. Here, our next one uh, comes from Nick. Uh Hey, all. Nick slash Tubalips checking in with a fun story inspired by your Clawy talk in episode 492 my hometown has a festival at the end of every june complete with a carnival complete with rides food and of course carnival games i learned so much in my formative years about game design and latent unfairness from that ladder crawl game and others but i also had my first instance of i'm great at this so i'm gonna play it to death One year, there was a game called The Hot Stuff Water Race. It's been 25 years, but I can still remember the pre-recorded announcement that played before every round. I wish I had the... I wish there was a sound file to go with this, uh, because I don't know... (laughs) Is is, there music? Say the name again. Hot Stuff Water Race. Hot Stuff. No. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So I'm just going to guess. I'm just going to guess at what this may have sounded like. Welcome to the hot stuff water race. (laughs) At the sound of the bell, aim your water at the flaming target. The first engine to reach the fire wins. Somehow, I learned that seat four of 12 had some unfair advantage. (laughs) Maybe it was more water pressure. Maybe it's some sort of setup issue. I don't actually know. But I learned that if I played, I sat at seat four and I could beat anyone. My dad was also a witness to this, thought it was hilarious, enabled me with cash. I mean, it was either 50 cents or a buck per play. Over the course of three days, I won probably 30 to 40 races. <laughs> I traded prizes to get a whole bunch of those goofy cat in the hat, hat type flannel hats with the different patterns on patterns on. Hell them. yeah. Eventually, the carny cut me off and refused to let me play anymore. He and my dad ended up getting into a big argument, which led to me playing one more time, winning some absurdly large stuffed panda bear and leaving the fair. The next year I came back. There was the hot stuff water race. There was that exact same carny operating it. I sat down at scene four at C4. The bell rang. I lost. And that 
was how I first learned about patches and updates to games. <laughs> <laughs> Love the pod. Thank you for continuing to bring joy and cast our feeds every week. Fuck capitalism. Go home. Nick. That's so good. That's oh, awesome. I had a good story. I had an ex- experience, uh, I think last summer, where it was one of the same games where you, you know, shoot a uh, stream of water, you know, in the center, and that makes the thing go faster. And my oldest was like, I would want to win one of those things. And I was like, well, do you want to play the game? She's like, yes. And so we sat down and she did it once and like lost and she was upset. She's like, I just want to win the thing. And I was like, well, what, then Jessica, I need to ask you, like, do you want to play or do you want to win? She like sat and thought about it. So well, I want to win. I was like, well, then can I do it? And she's like, but then it's not me. I was like, I asked you, <laughs> do you want to play? Or do you want to win? And she's like, well, I want the prize. I was like, then, okay, like, let me get this. And so I shot it, got it, you know, beat out the other five-year-old punks that I was <laughs> against and, wow. got her, and got her to the thing. Uh, I was like, all right, we can only do that once, Jessica. This is an unfair advantage. Uh, but it was a... Fine motor nice. dexterity to beat out <laughs> the other five-year-olds. <laughs> Imagine what a five-year-old greaser is now. Lined up and then Patrick between them. Hey, what's this guy doing here? (laughs) Soapbox racing for pinks. (laughs) All right. um, Next email uh, touches on this this is what this is one from the old before times question bucket. But I thought I would uh, I thought I'd read it here. Um, No, no name on this one. Hey, Waypoint crew, I brought this up in the chat for Tactical Twednesdays on 4th of May 2022. I wanted to expand. I cannot fault Rob with what he did, uh, which was uh, experiencing a a stovetop fault, uh, which I won't elaborate on what that is for obvious reasons. Long story short, we all fuck up. I'm a mechanical engineer and consider myself reasonably intelligent. One day about a month ago, while I was cooking dinner, I think it was spaghetti, I was heating some bread wrapped in aluminum foil. I had it on a sheet pan in a 350-degree oven. I was cooking it this way because my brother can't eat the bread when the crust is firm. After about five minutes, I took the sheet pan out of the oven using an oven mitt, took the bread off the sheet pan, and set the pan aside. After unwrapping the bread, I decided I wanted to crisp up one half of the loaf. It was at this point I needed the sheet pan again. Somehow it completely slipped my mind that the sheet pan had been in a 350-degree oven maybe two minutes earlier, and without putting the oven mitt back on, I grabbed the sheet pan with my bare hand, my bare right hand. I am right-handed. It took a couple of seconds for me to realize what I had done, and weirdly, I did not immediately feel any pain until I had that realization. It took a couple seconds at that point for me to set the pan down because for some reason, uh, where I grabbed the sheet pan from did not occur to me. Took about two weeks for my hand to heal. <laughs> As I said, we all fuck up from time to time and make completely bonehead decisions. So I cannot fault Rob for what he did. I can fault him for the decisions <laughs> he was contemplating after the fact, though. Also, like Rob, I practice making mixed drinks from time to time. My liquor collection costs more than I'd like to admit, somewhere north of a grand. Uh, Rob is correct. Ice from an ice maker in a fridge is garbage for making mixed drinks. Wow. Also, to get clear ice, the easiest way to do that is directional freezing. Basics of that is forcing the water to freeze either from the bottom up, uh, which you need specialized machinery for that, or from the top down. In the top down technique, you are basically insulating the bottom and and sides of the water so the top freezes. As it freezes, 
the dissolved gases and impurities in the water get pushed down in the liquid water from the solid ice. As a result, hmm. the ice that forms on top remains clear with no to minimal gases entrained in the ice. Downside is that this takes a long time to do, but after around 12 hours or so, you can remove the ice from the freezer, then from the mold. If you haven't let all the water freeze, there will be liquid water with all the impurities in the bottom of the mold, and all you have to do is shave that bottom surface, and you're left with a solid block of clear ice. There are also places that will sell clear ice in bulk if you use a ton. Anyway, hope you're all doing well in the hellscape that is America. I am trying my best. Fuck Florida. Fuck Ron DeSantis. Fuck capitalism. <laughs> Truly. So there's something I need to clarify, though, because I misspoke. Huh. I was talking about I wanted like clear ice. Yeah. And that was one thing I meant. I wanted clear facets. And what I was trying to get at there is I'm not one of those folks who I'm like, I must have like a perfect, like it must be like a, a sheet of glass uh, that it looks right. like, uh, although that is cool. I love it. Like, absolutely. Please. Uh, I might do this now. <laughs> Fuck. I got 12 hours to waste in the freezer. Uh, I'm not doing, I'm not there, but what I actually mean is, uh, and this is actually like one of the major sources of beef between me and, and fridge ice. It's a surface to, it's a surface area to volume ratio issue for me. Like mm. it is, I want large, clear, like chunky facets on my ice, and then a lot of volume contained within that. Because if it like is it as it tends to be rounded off, you're increasing the surface area. Mm -hmm. There is more surface area where like melting is going to be occurring, where it's like touching the thing it's trying to chill, and you have a more quickly watered down drink. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is like this is why. You know, a lot of, at a lot of like nicer bars too, you will see the giant cubes are like the size of a fist put in a huge rocks glass mm -hmm. uh, because that chills big the cocktail ice. the right temperature, but doesn't affect the flavor balance very much. Big ice. I'm a big, big ice, ice lady. I love a big ice. Yeah. I own, like, all I use is big ice. I'll smash it into a mason jar. Yep. That is. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Yeah. Okay. So the, my love of big ice has occasionally cost me a piece of glassware because I'm like, <laughs> I think it can take it. And I just push it a little bit. I'll be like, the edges just shave off. Oh and God. it's like, no, they didn't. They just fractured the sides of the glass and we're going to start <laughs> over again. I I think that was when I first started here. One of the first things uh, that I posted on Twitter after starting here, which led to me getting a pretty big bump. Uh, and I remember a bunch of people panicking about my smashing uh, a piece of square ice into a glass. I I Rob Zachney being one of them. I remember being alarmed by that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guess what? I still have that. Hey. Look at that. That's a huge endorsement it's, it's for fine. that uh for that for that mason jar. Yeah, it says is ball. That a, is that a mason or is it, it's a ball jar? It's not a Fido or whatever it's a ball. it is. Yeah. Ball. Uh another good one here. Highway point. I've been wondering, what is the oldest game in your backlog that you still haven't played? Thanks for all that y'all do. Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. Hmm. What's a game you've been intending to play? What was the <laughs> longest one? <laughs> I think my answer both comes from the same issue of PC Gamer. Yeah. So for me, there's two games. I think they're in the same issue. They're both editor's choice. One is regarded as a all-time classic. The other is largely forgotten. Uh, but I've intended to sort of play through both for ages. Uh, and I got to get to those before I get to Dragon's Dogma. So we'll see. But uh, the first, this is why I was so excited when Natalie pitched this for Waypoint 101. When Natalie was like, you know what? Why do one game when we could bite off 
three. Oh, that's a good. This is a good uh, choice. This was one that came to mind for me too. Original System Shock. Yeah, was one that like looks awesome. It's foundational. I have played a bit of it. I played a bit of it uh, like in the Idle Weekend days. Danielle and I took a look at it. We talked to Matt Wise about it. Um, and I played like the first couple levels, but yeah, just didn't have time for it. And also, it was slow going because it is a game that predates any control conve- conventions for immersive sims or first person games. And so it is just one of the most cumbersome and awkward play experiences I've ever had. But also, I kind of don't want to play it with any modern control schemes, even though that exists, I think, with the additions uh, that are out right now, because like, what they are trying to do with that control scheme and like what they're trying to allow you to express is really fascinating. And yet uh, that's like a game from 1994 in the same issue. The game just sounded fucking cool. And like, again, kind of forgotten, but you know, you're, you're, you're just starting to get into games. So some things just imprint themselves on you. Uh, a game called quarantine, which was basically, <laughs> mad max crazy taxi uh you would you were a cabbie in a post-apocalyptic hellscape that you had to drive outside like the quarantine zone into the mutant and zombie infested wasteland and like engage in running shootouts and like ramming people with your cars and like just basically combat driving uh while making while running a successful little cabbie business um and i thought that sounded really cool and I've always kind of wondered, is it as cool as it sounded? These things were right next to each other. Um, mm-hmm. It reviewed almost as well as System Shock. And yet, I don't feel like there's a lot of people out there standing quarantine anymore. <laughs> I'm sure if it came out right into this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if that game came out now, I'd probably have a pretty fun, pretty good time of it. Not, not been a crazy taxi in a while. No, they're making a new one, though, I think. I feel like I'd read that at some point. Uh, the one that comes to mind, I was looking through different, because li- you, System Shock is a good one. That was mm. one that goes on, I was thinking about. For me, it is similarly a lot of PC games um, from that, like, mid-90s era. Um, and I never played any of the Fallout games, and I didn't get into Fallout as a universe until Fallout 3, because that's the game that sort of unlocked open world games for me like why are they interesting what are they capable of um i would then you know subsequently played you know hundreds of hours of that in new vegas and it was like specifically it was like well i know that this is pulling from that universe but i'd be curious to see what that's like that was always on a list of you know every time pc game would put out of greatest games of all time like fallout fallout 2 like constantly the top of the list and i just never got around to playing them and i've i've heard those games are kind of a struggle to go back to although you can like mods can make it a little more accessible but that is like when i sit around like ah oh, what's a game that i'd love to go back and play at some point um it's like fallout one or two like the, mm-hmm. the, those sit high really high on my backlog that i'll just keep telling myself i'll play and then i don't know someday <laughs> we'll turn it into content and then maybe i'll play it mine is uh star wars knights of the old republic that's a good one. Uh, been good on. I I I'm a, I'm a Star Wars fan, and just fucking I don't know. I didn't have a PC when, or I didn't have a PC that could play games when it originally came out. It was definitely like a Xbox. Uh, maybe that's I played it. Huh? I played it on Xbox. Xbox. Now I had a PlayStation at that point. 
Mm. Did it come out on PlayStation 2? No, it only no, came. Okay, those, yeah. Both those games only came out on Xbox. Yeah, so no, I was over. I was playing Battle Battlefront Two on my PS2. That that was fun. But Hell yeah. um, you know, everyone always says it's a, a great RPG game, Star Wars, and game. has One an of the incredible Star ending. Wars Here's game. a question, OJ related to uh-huh. a, to sort of from a previous. Uh, I want to that, hear nothing about the ending of Kotor. Do not speak. Oh, do oh, not suddenly on the a ending of Kotor. Twenty year old game we can't fucking talk about. I thought it enhances your experience to know what's going to happen in this game that famously has an incredible ending that is a bit of a twist. Oh. Enhance Look mine. at Rob. Oh. Look at Rob. <laughs> He's shaking like a bobblehead. <laughs> Um, but I'm yeah, saying, I, not that, that game is getting a proper like fu- it's not a remat. Like that game has been ported to right. It's on Switch now. Like it yeah, has like a pretty. I think right. the, the the sequel also just got um a port yeah. on on Switch. Um, Apparently, but, uh, the, I yeah. bought this game at some point in 2012 on Steam and played an hour of it and never that's went a Steam back. Steam sale purchase. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's how we always Steam sale purchase. Yes. That game's a dollar. <laughs> well, I just got it. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, I've been meaning to play it for forever. Still haven't, but now I could just wait for that remaster. <laughs> I'm I'm curious actually. I'm curious uh, how much they're gonna change for that that one specifically. I might I might try to check out the original and and do that whole thing because I don't know. Sometimes the changes aren't great, or sometimes the changes are interesting. But you you gotta know that. That's why I played Final Fantasy VII before doing remake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. a good time. My, one of my first pieces I ever wrote was about KOTOR 2. No, Don't read no. it. No? Okay. No. <laughs> no. I mean, listen, I stand by my general thesis, but don't read that. Don't don't go don't go find don't go find don't that. Don't look at it. <laughs> um But uh yeah, good good video game. I played it in two thousand and nineteen. Uh shout out to Kotor 2. Is it my turn? No, the question, yes. Yes. Uh, I think for me, I mean, here's the thing. I don't really feel the need to go back to most things. Uh, if I, if it's old enough that it is difficult to run, I will probably, and it's like, and it's a classic, I will probably find someone I trust to have interesting opinions on it and watch their playthrough. Um, and, and let it basically be filtered through the lens of someone who is an expert on it. So I can understand its place in the conversation and how it like functions as a text without actually having to go back and and do the work of like setting up my computer properly to play it myself. Um, Efficient, wise. <laughs> however, uh, for games that that does not apply to, I, I will generally uh, try and make the time to go back and play it. Which is why, uh, for example, I'm going back and playing Soul Hackers right now, which is a game from 1997. Uh, so that is probably the oldest thing on my backlog right now is, is, uh, 1997's Shin Megami Tensei Double Summoner Soul Hackers, which I just started. Um, cause I think that... Is it really on your backlog then? Cause you're playing it currently? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I mean... I guess I don't understand when does something come off your backlog? Is that when you beat when it, it or when you've decided your, you've had enough of it? Current stack. I think if you're no, actively playing, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is when you have when you beat it. Hmm. 
because there's a ton mm-hmm. of games that I've I've played plenty of but never beat, but don't consider no, them part yeah, of my no, backlog. The beating's anymore, not yeah. no, it's not no. Right, no, right. like I played a- System Shock two, but I haven't beat System Shock two, which means that it is like it's not on my backlog anymore because I played a lot. I played a significant enough amount of System Shock two, and that I don't feel the need to unless we do it for a waypoint one hundred one go back and play System Shock 2 again. It's fine. Yeah. I, I understand that game is place in the historical context of the industry. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I am good I'm good out here. You you've you've engaged you you've engaged with Devil Summoner. I feel like now it's no longer on the backlog because mm. you're doing the thing. You're 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 I mid. Agree. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything else? Oh no. <laughs> you hard. You made this difficult. I had a good I had an answer ready. And you took it away from, I, I I I walked up. I, I even Takato. let people know this question in advance. They could ponder it. I opened my hands to Kato. There was an answer there. And, and they then walked Ricardo up and they smacked it. it out they of your hands. It. They snatched my answer and they ate it. They put it in their mouth and they <laughs> ate my <laughs> answer. Yum. I'm so glad this motherfucker's going on vacation. <laughs> oh. Have fun in Colorado. Uh, what do you mean? Last time I heard he's heading to Wyoming. I don't know where he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in that case, uh, probably the original Deus Ex. Uh, Ooh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, that is one of the ones that I want to actually like put hands on because I think it is a yeah. a game that is worth engaging with. That's like on, from like a mechanical. Perspective. I don't know if I ever want to play that one again. I feel like leave that in the memory bank. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's so there's curious. there's highs that are worth getting to. <laughs> yeah. There's um, things that are awesome that are worth enduring some things for. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I am pro go on, get into Deus Ex, and then we can all join hands and fight the invisible war. Listen, I would, I would the speed, the speed with which I would stream the entirety of the first Deus Ex is astounding. As this commence the reappraisal, it's already been reappraised. Doesn't matter. We'll do it. We'll we'll have our own reappraisal. Yeah. Uh, All right. Last question. Imagine you are a quest giver. You do the same thing day in, day out, muttering endlessly about this one thing you just need done. What is that thing? What is your kill the giant rats in my basement? Mine is probably to deliver this one bag of clothes for the charity shop I've had sitting in my bedroom for eight months. They're masterworks all. You can't go wrong. <laughs> wow. To Linky. Give me a ding on that one, Kyle. <laughs> I did this. I I actually did this in in, in real life. In real in real you world. You issued someone a quest? This. Yes. So when I left uh, GeoMedia, uh, I still had my work laptop, which they wanted me to ship to them uh, via FedEx. Uh, and the problem is that the FedEx location is uh, a 30 minute walk away uh, on the other side of the neighborhood. And my brain don't work no good. Uh, and so I spent months trying to be like, Ren, just give them back the laptop uh, to the point where I got an email from a legal department going, hey, you should really fucking give back that laptop. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I should really give back that laptop. Uh, and then my friend went out of town uh, who works there and was like, can you watch my cats for me? I was like, yes, I will watch your cats in exchange for this quest where you will take this laptop back to your workplace for me. Because I, I, let's be honest here. 
it is not getting that fucking FedEx location. There is no way in hell it is getting that FedEx location by my hands. So if you could just take this in and hand it to someone at the office, I will consider that. Uh, I will consider that payment for watching your cats. I do not need money. Please, won't someone deliver this laptop? Please, please, my brain is so sick. Please, won't someone remind me to take the composting to the farmer's market on the weekend? Doing that. What? Things making a difference, Kato, really. <laughs> composting is so much effort. It's so much fucking effort. Oh my god, it's Dark Zachney. Everyone watch out. It fucking matters, really. <laughs> this point robert's been blackpilled here was my darth doomerous over here here here's what here's what turned me like on composting was my building somebody was like we're gonna do composting Mm. and so they bought an enormous like a thing the size of like if you picture like a well in your head, the little well head with the stone masonry around it, mm-hmm. it's about that mm-hmm. size of thing. Oh, okay. And like we're gonna do building wide composting here. Whole new mm. world. And a thing I did not appreciate, and this is really more of a thing that like it's not I think it's a good thing to do. The thing I did not understand is that there's a lot of technique to it. <laughs> yeah. And nice work. so what people thought in this building, and I'm not even sure the people who pitched this like understood what they were getting into. They thought it was like you just dump your organic waste in there and like the good bacteria and the critters, like they do their thing and bam, compost. And so within about and oh, and of course we started the, the summer. Can't you know, <laughs> can't make it easy yeah. for those bacteria to yeah. function. <laughs> so within like a week what we had was a rotting trash mountain yeah and oh. the well the the big like sealed like composting bin was just bursting with like toxic gross water hey everyone check out our rot box in the back <laughs> this is our cool rot box and so and and then like <sighs> it began summoning other sorts of critters and pests to the area. People are like, I do not like walking through the fetid swamp to to get to my car because it is now leaking across the parking plot, uh, <laughs> the parking lot. Um, <laughs> you made the outside of your building into a fucking Dark Souls area. <laughs> I was I was thinking the exact same thing. It's a Todd. poison I'm the swamp exact now. Same thing. <laughs> I'm really excited for Armored Souls to come out. <laughs> yeah, it like, I mean, it was it got pretty grim when Artax died out there uh, <laughs> oh, on, no! uh, on the way on the plane oh, of their no! car. Uh, it, like we were like we had this composting bin out of here. So, but it's still there because nobody could like nobody want to touch it. So it was just one of those things where we're just gonna let this process of rot complete. Mm-hmm. And then we're never going to open or discuss it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once it, once it gets bad enough, the covenant oh, yeah. shows up and then they take care of it. Like a covenant will form around the poison swamp and they'll kind of do the maintenance for you once it gets bad <laughs> enough. Yeah. You have to be patient. So like, like, so that is more uh-huh. the thing I have where it's like composting as a, as a thing is like cool. But like, it's one of those things where to execute it at scale man do a lot of people have to be bought in and educated on like how to do fucking composting yeah yeah no this is the this is a city thing so they just have giant bins every every weekend at the farmer's market 
And I just like freeze all my organic waste so that it doesn't get smelly while I wait okay. for that week to come around. And so there's a small bag of just okay. Brain is so. Big. But then you just got a freezer full of like organic yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, hey, then really if I forget a week, in. it gets a little it gets a little so dicey in there. Yeah. <laughs> so someone yeah. please, my quest is remind me to take it when I go to the farmers market next weekend. All right, Patrick. What's the premise? Of this oh, one? that's right. <laughs> I completely lost the plot. Oh, what's Patrick's, the Patrick's, Patrick's mentally blessed. The thing you're always like, oh, I just wish someone. I'm just a little villager. I wish some player character would come along and I will give you five gold to do this quest that I always talk about every day. Yeah. What is your thing that you would have a player character like coming through town? You would assign them to do and that you'd be like, life? oh, what thank you. Yes, in real life. He's too normal. Did, Sorry, did the entire conceit of this question just like <laughs> no, go like I think it broke Patrick? You're talking he didn't like compost. that composting talk. He yeah, like composting I, I, talk. I don't have any. I, I don't have anything to add to it. I'm, I'm neither pro nor I'm probably more Rob's position. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, what do I need? That's what I had children for. Isn't I was, it, gonna, I was, I was gonna say, this. isn't it? I was that? wondering about this. Is are you already a quest giver? But like at this point. The the hero is your children. Yeah, like a lot like a lot of parenting is giving is frankly giving your kids like little quests to accomplish to like try and shape you know, like my uh <laughs> like a small one. Okay, this is <laughs> my daughter was in a bad mood. We found out later that she had mild uh, pneumonia, and so maybe that's why she was in a bad mood oh, for no. parts of the vacation. But she was having trouble at the beach and uh mostly because the, her other cousins we're very used to the ocean. This was her first time at the ocean or being old enough to understand it. She's used to being in a pool and the waves crashing around and moving her off course was like really frustrating for her as a swimmer. It's like, all right, let's get off the water. Let's find something to do on the beach. It's like, it's just sand. I'm like, you're right. Uh, but it's the ocean. So it's more than just sand. And so I, there weren't that many shells, but I said, okay, you can have 50 cents. No, it was a quarter. It was a quarter for the shells. And then it was 50 cents if you found, like, a creature. Because there were some, like, uh, sand dollars and stuff like that if you dug around in the sand. And they're harmless. And so I did. I gave her a quest. I was like, look, you get a quarter for every shell you find. You get 50 cents. Or was, I think it was a dollar because the sand dollars were hard to find. You get a dollar for a, for a sand dollar. And uh, now go do that. And, like, a bulb just went off in her head. She's like, awesome. Yeah. Okay. This sounds great. And she did that for 90 minutes and never asked for the money. <laughs> So I never had I never had to deliver, but the the quest did what it was supposed to do, which was to get her mind off of her bad mood and gave her something to do. So, like, frankly, that actually is the answer. Is like I don't really have things I need someone else to do, but I am constantly coming up with quests to satisfy my kid's desire to not be bored. It occurred to me that like some of this question presupposes a lot of executive dysfunction, and yeah. like that's not you. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was no, like, Patrick I mean, is too like, mentally well like, for this question. I, mean, I was like. Yeah, I mostly get my shit done. Like, yeah. So, I I thought it was gonna go the other way with their children. Well, won't someone please watch my children for a little bit so I can have some yeah. peace? Well, <laughs> well that's the, the It is a problem. My quest. mom, my mom hurt her wrist, and now I don't have someone to let me go to the movie theater. And now I'm slowly <laughs> not gonna see Nope. Uh, oh no. Nope. Shit. No Nope for me. Nope. Um, nope. Maybe next week. <laughs> uh yeah i think for me so i'm fully in the in the ren boat with uh, uh sorry you want me to take something to ups or fedex or the post office that's not happening sorry uh <laughs> no that's 
uh not happening not gonna happen same with executing warranties um my beautiful comfy sleep number bed like from from within two weeks i was like there are things happening with this bed that i feel like are not supposed to be happening like Mm -hmm. for instance i feel like a bed named sleep number should know what number it is set to but it was routinely Uh not aware like it would like it would be like it thinks it's at like 80 and it is clearly like like kind of deflated a little bit and obviously you're like that's because it's leaking somehow but in my head i was like ah, it must be a software glitch because over the course of sleeping and it would not feel like it was deflating it was mm-hmm. just like it seemed to lose track of what like firmness setting was set to all all the time but in the last couple months it was just like i go to bed on a firm mattress around four in the morning i wake up my ass is on the bed frame uh because the thing <laughs> is fully deflated and like it is just like you're swimming around in a like water bed or something just like completely like there's still air in it it's still like you still sleep comfortably ish but like it's not it's not doing its thing and so i just kept noting i was like yes you know i think something's wrong with the sleep number bed and mk's like yeah like you know we need to call sleep number i was like yeah we do and this repeated and then you called for like three weeks no (laughs) i kept just noting like Hey, Aww. like it's getting really bad. Like this, this situation is not great. It's just like, yeah, we like it's you know we got to get on like call call sleep number. They'll they'll take care of it. And finally, I was just like, you need to call sleep number and fix this bed you made us buy. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Most toxic version of asking for help I've ever heard. Yes. Oh, look, was it my finest hour? No, it was not good. This was pointed out later of like one, at no point was it ever clear what you needed Two, what you needed is perplexing because all you need to do is call the fucking like (laughs) call the store. By the way, all of this shit is in your name because at that moment we were playing little games with like hide the weird credit line we were running uh, because this was (laughs) these were little these were fun little games we could play before we got married uh where it was like we're just two individual people with decent household income but uh weird lack of individual income and some dodgy things in our credit history anyway i took the bullet on the sleep number uh other loans uh were filtered out through mk anyway uh but all of it was in my name and so you know arguably this really all should have been my problem from the start and it was a matter of like call them and they fix it and by the way because i'd like i would just seized on this where i was just like Mm. i can't like this is not this is not this is not a rob zachney task caught like saying like fix my warranty thing is not a rob job this is something that i'm not good at i'm not built for that um we got this in under the wire the warranty was about to expire by like in a week uh we were getting the formal diagnosis with like just days to spare um and if we hadn't done that uh you know they could still fix it and they would have still fixed it but at the rather high expense of like a new half of the bed um so anyway that's my quest is like i like my quest is i need someone to call this customer service line or like fill out this paperwork and do this thing because I just, this is not, it requires 
massive amounts of energy and focus for me to do this type of task. And I do not know why. Like today was a very special day for me. I did my expenses from the thing we did back in June. Ne- I will. I will never <laughs> do expenses until the day I die. Yeah. What? I know. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Patrick, Patrick has been reimbursed by the time he's getting back on his plane. Like, like I file, I file them like it, after I get off the plane. The mu- like I just, I just mu- do it the day of. Like yeah. the CEO of Vice is running onto the plane like it's a rom com to mm-hmm. to give Patrick money <laughs> and be like, oh my god, I thought I missed you, and like he he's got you know, it's that money from the dinner last night, and Patrick's like, thank you, I will add it to uh, my many reimbursements and my pocket full of receipts. Uh, and meanwhile, like I was just like, wait, what is this? I'm up early. Things seem reasonably under control. I feel good about life and my place within it. It's time to do expenses. <laughs> Ten minutes. Ten minutes. But it's been on my to-do list every day for a month. <laughs> I, I would say that the the amount of money I could expense from Vice should not be sent into a microphone. <laughs> and I just haven't done it. My brain is sick. Here's the thing: if someone else asked me to put in their expenses, I do it in a heartbeat. That's the thing. That's that's where that's where my brain doesn't work. Can I? Hey, can, Brad, wait, like, can you trick yourself into like getting oh. a running start at it and doing their expenses, and then you do yours? Oh, for- <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ren, here I have some expenses that I need to do. Hands you your own expenses. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the this is the Renata Price secret. Is that um, I'm 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 good at doing executive function when it's for other people. Bad at doing executive That's function when it's for myself. Too. That's uh, very frustrating yeah. because then it, it leads to me being like, "Hey, if you could just if you could just if you could just like in like two hours ask me to do this, I will do this." But I've been struggling to do it all day. Uh, I will do it, and so I'll be yeah. like, "Why do I have to ask you to do it?" And I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> I, "I want the ta- I want I want to do the task. I just I just need you to do this for me in this moment. This is how this is how we collaborate." But like the second something's broken in my house. I am the girl who fixes it. That's the thing. Am I good at, 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 at that, that kind of executive function? Or it's like maintaining my life? <laughs> no, the, yeah, no. Like, it's completely different <laughs> axes, though. That's the thing of like, there's some problems that I am good at solving, but like certain classes, just not. Um, and it's like, and it doesn't always make sense how it breaks out. Yeah. Uh, no, anyway, no rhyme or reason. Uh, that's a wrap on today's uh, group therapy session on Waypoint Radio. <laughs> Uh, I think pa- life coach Patrick is going to have some follow-ups with us uh, so after, after long, we finish. Long sigh. Uh, if you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me at Rob Zachney on Twitter. Uh, Patrick, where can people find you? At Patrick Klepek. Ren. You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. And Kato's somewhere in the West uh, this week. <laughs> Who knows? A Mercado underscore disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. That's fun. See you in a while. Bye forever, (laughs) Kato. That's that's, that's, (laughs) not. That was the sound. I'm going to miss him so much. That's my parting gift. They died instantaneously. That's what peak performance sounds like. That was me uh, teleporting like, away. Sounded like <laughs> sounded like Rob. It, let's, let's, uh, let's keep you can also go clear. check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. Check out Ren's review of Stray, titled "Stray is a cat adventure game that can't stop thinking about people." 
Uh, and thanks to Waypoint Plus, Kato and I had our biggest, most epic session of Motorsports Monday yet. Uh, be sure and check out our Drive to Glory from the latest installment, uh, as well as check out Ren and Kato's burgeoning career in alchemy, as well as the uh, hard look they gave Gwent at the end of last week. Uh, all that <laughs> is available at twitch.tv slash waypoint. Uh, and for our Waypoint Plus listeners, uh, we released our latest manhunting on The Insider. Plus, I believe next week, you'll get to hear me and Patrick talk about Stranger Things 4 and why we loved it, despite agreeing that it sure is mediocre in lots of ways. If that sounds good, or if you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. And if you want to show... More than just support, but loyalty. Go to waypointgeneralstore.com <laughs> and pledge yourselves to us by buying some of our fine Waypoint merch. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash BOEN. For now, we're calling time on this entire week. We will talk to you again next week. Minus Kato. Don't know where he will be. Till then, fuck capitalism. Go home or go on vacation. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Would it help if, like, when I'm not talking uh, and other people are talking, I just went into my microphone and went, zzz, like, mm-hmm. like, a really low level? Like, would that help? Like, if we if all do it. Fe- if yeah, could- like, if there were more buzzes, would, like, is there, like, a, does that help the filter? If you could figure hey, out. the waypoints for zzz. cicada cast. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to B-Time. I don't know what the cycle is on them this year, but. Was, well, uh, if you saw one, I'm not sure that's a cicada. You ever, uh, yeah, but some years are louder than others. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's true. There are, there are years where you're, I, you will witness the cicada, and then there are years where it feels like you are in, yeah, you know, Hitchcock's The Birds, and it is. I don't know if you can describe like, the, the cicada. Like you can't really describe the cicada orchestra unless you've experienced it. Like it's truly like a, a difficult thing to explain to people. Like, have, have you ever seen that video of the dog with a cicada in its mouth? That looks absolutely fucking mortified that it has a cicada buzzing in its <laughs> mouth. They're big, man. There was oh, a live one that I found underneath uh, a seat I was adjusting on our on our deck. Was like uh, normally just they hear the noise or you just find the remnants of them. But this one mm-hmm. was like, the big boy was here and they're just they're weighty. They're just big. They're just like the dense kaiju sized flies. Basically, <laughs> I don't like it. They're, yeah, they are kaiju two flies. Go have sex and then live in the ground again, please. Goals for us all. <laughs> all right. Uh, 
Mikado, you on time that is? Ready to roll? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's clap on eight seconds. What if we just made a cicada noise at eight seconds? All right. Now let's all watch this dog. Yeah. Okay, it's, right. it's important. I don't know if I've seen this before. What do you have? Yeah, have. Oh. Why is your mouth? That's a loud noise. <laughs> That's a loud buzz. Have you never heard a cicada, Kato? Why is I have, but just like... Noise? Just one is making that noise? Yeah. Drop it. Well, you normally aren't that close to it <laughs> they, while that's it's making the, thing. the noise. Yeah, exactly. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. It sounds like it's uh, <laughs> an electric toothbrush going yeah. off in its mouth. Yeah. Drop it. Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> That has got to be uncomfortable. <laughs> no. It likes the vibration. It does not want to drop it. <laughs> I first first question first comment in the chat or in the in the comments, this pup is trying to act like everything is normal while simultaneously being vibrated through the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that dog looks like it's having a bad trip and is trying to hide it really fucking hard. No, I'm chill. I'm uh, good. I'm good. Chill, that's just a that's just a cutscene thing uh, a cutscene from everything everywhere all at once, frankly. <laughs> like that could just be a bit yeah. from that movie right after the rocks just cut to <sighs> the God. world where we all live with cicadas in our mouths. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> The dog oh, looks no. so guilty, too. The dog looks both yeah. guilty and confused. Cicadas are doggy pop rocks. 